everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on March the 8th of 2023. I am Nick, here joined by Quinn, and it's a manga talkie day. Are we ready to talkie manga manga talkie? Uh, it'd be weird if we weren't, like if we just got in here and we were just like, so I'm just going to kind of stare at the screen and yeah. every so often we make mouth noises, but not like fun ones, just like... Oh, okay. <sighs> just, just, the, yeah. just the the saddening or disappointing ones. Just the ones you okay. kind of make as you're just like, life. <sighs> you know? Just like that. I don't know. <laughs> that's a perfect, that's a great not fun mouth sound to make uh you should learn anyone who's listening take cues from nick right there that was a plus not fun mouth sound okay yeah if you ever want to be not fun just look to me for example that is not true you're so fun and electric uh i would be remiss if i did not talk we were just before this podcast talking about vampire titties Uh, And I would be remiss, to, you know, you know, like we do, you know, sometimes. <laughs> As sometimes comes up, I would be remiss if I did not mention that I was playing a vampire in the newest season of Dice Funk that you can check out right now. Ooh. Dice Funk season ten, Resubian. You can find it basically everywhere. It's on uh, Podbean and YouTube and Spotify and all those fun places. You can just type in Dice Funk. You can see it. Season ten. It's very yep. fun, and we are like really far ahead of the episodes right now of in mm-hmm. terms of like what's being put out to what's being recorded uh we have like four months ahead of what you're you're currently listening to so i know all these wild things that happen ooh. and i'm just sitting here being like ooh, it's gonna be really crazy when they get to that episode uh, but go check it out it's, it's a lot of fun it's been very nicely hyped up by uh some of our uh some of our some other people some people just in our kind of peer groups uh, have kind of been very much prepping me for it so it's definitely Ronald something McDonald, i look forward to yeah. checking out myself yeah ronald mcdonald is so <laughs> john cena about this uh, yeah i mean john cena you know but i don't know if i take his opinion seriously anymore after you know what happened monday uh so <laughs> what, did he, what did he do <laughs> he interacted with austin theory uh, oh okay <laughs> it's understandable <laughs> he insulted him but it's for the purpose of them both making money so i don't know <laughs> uh i should also note uh as mentioned ninja just brought it up uh there was a movement in our discord to get austin yorsky on this episode to promote dice funk uh, he says he will be on anytime I want, but I felt bad asking him on sh- short notice. But the only reason most people want him on, they're like, yeah, you can promote Dice Funk Season 10. But mostly, it's a super serious chapter of Mashal this week. Super serious Mashal chapter. So, <laughs> uh, they just wanted to continue the idea that I've been gaslighting Austin this entire time. So, uh, no Austin this week. But maybe next week will be just as serious and he can come in that time. That's right. Oh my we'll God! See. Can I convince? We'll can I convince Austin to read Monster Musume or whatever the fuck it is? I uh, Quinn, I think you probably can. Like. What if I just give him a sample <laughs> of it? Like you just had to see a little bit of it, and then you, and then you could check it out. I convinced him to watch Lost and Simpsons, so I I'm doing pretty good on convincing him. To yeah, watch there's it. there's hardly any titties in those, so. Well, it depends on where you search for it. <laughs> it depends That's... on what words you use. Remember, Marge Simpson was in Playboy for some reason. Yes. I'm not going to unpack that because it gets into all sorts of weird things about <laughs> the degree Everyone. which she's sexualized. <laughs> so the way that people think about Marge Simpson, and then you can carry that over to the fact that she also is... <laughs> There's a lot of sexy stuff involving her out there. Like, hmm... 
it's kind of lets us delve into a lot of people's psyches more than I would like to be inside their minds right now. No judgment, just I don't want to know that about you. <laughs> oh, so you don't want to know my opinion about Marge Simpson uh, nudity? Not really. Okay, that's fair. I'm going to keep them to myself then. And that's, that's just going to be a little secret we're going to have between each other. I don't know if I want to know that that's a secret between us. Can I just like go back and erase the last 30 seconds of our conversation yeah. so this has never been a part of it? Okay, Absolutely. it's gone. It's gone. It's gone now. Or manga. Yeah. Manga. Nothing to do with cartoons. So. <laughs> uh, some of these get anime, which are cartoons. No, it's okay. ridiculous. Okay. So. By <laughs> Rakutei. Chapter number 382. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. Don't let him go, Nick. Uh, so. I mean, that's a romantic chapter. In a way. So there's. I I kind of have a problem with this chapter, not in terms of content, but occasionally I do find myself running into this issue with my hero, which is it's presented in a way that I know is meant to like, you know, because of the like the reveal that's going to be coming about, you're supposed to, you know, like there's supposed to be this like tease that builds up to it. And then you're supposed to be like, oh, and now you're pleased because of, of the thing that was leading up to it. And then you can look back on it and be like, ah, OK, that's what it was all like building up to. But it gets all kind of like indirect and. I'm going to put I'm going to for the audio only people, I'm going to make finger quotes with my hands clever with the way that the writing is structured uh and i read manga chapters the first when i first wake up on sunday mornings and i'm not in the mood for this sometimes <laughs> that's fair sometimes you just you start reading a chapter you're just like mm, mm, too it's early like, look, for this look this chapter's going to end on somebody getting punched and i don't need you to act like it's super clever okay because sometimes i'll be like yeah best thing ever and sometimes i'll be like just get to the part where they punch and that's all Next so it's about getting right to that punch yes that's why you know i i have such patience for i don't know black clover that's a series that kind of like didn't really control it does itself. it does get to the punch uh so maybe quite quite frequently yes uh so this the beginning of this chapter kind of just sets up like that in this moment all for one doesn't think the situation's as optimal as it can be and hawks is thinking it's not as disastrous as it could be because oh it looks like things are really in all for one's favor because all the twice clones are storming about the battlefield and everything preventing the heroes from really doing anything and meanwhile mainline all for one is gonna hit people with his stuff oh no so we do get a flash of uh, the Twice clones also like trying to create, I believe, Dobby and All for One and Shigaraki clones amongst the the, the crowd of them. Uh, but when the Shigaraki clone touches the ground, it doesn't cause a decay to go off. Nothing happens, uh, and we get a flashback to basically explain this. This is this is all happening in the past at some indeterminate point. It is astounding as the next page is like a far off action shot, a close up shot of Uraraka, and then two blank page like panels just filled with narration. Yes, the way that things are laid out is Suyu in a it it could be worse, it could be raining way says 
as bad as things are, they could be worse. Shut the fuck uh, up. Why would you say that? Yeah, don't, don't say it like that to you. Uh, because then they say like, okay, you know, if Toga had first transformed into All for One and just blown everything up, we'd be dead. Uh, but that's not what happened. So uh, they know that the clones created by the original Twice's double quirk could use their own quirks, but based on what Uraraka has learned, when Toga transforms, she can only use that person's quirk if she loves them. So, possibly due to some sort of compatibility issue between their quirks, Toga can use Twice's quirk, but not the quirks of the people that are created with Twice's quirk. Uh, Because, presumably, the love that lets her mimic Twice's quirk doesn't let her doesn't extend to the people she's trying to clone this way uh which it, it did kind of send me devolving down a you know superpower like analysis tree for a little bit in my head of like why is it that way because if she perfectly mimics it well why but you know because it doesn't match that it's just like they just say it all right here and it's for theming purposes that Toga is a confused girl and she's got dealing with a lot of shit right now. So her emotional connection to certain people in her villain group isn't as strong as she wants herself to believe that it is. That's all fine. Uh, It's just that having it all laid out this way very suddenly was a little bit overwhelming. I feel like the first time that I read it. That's her. So they think about this and they're like, okay, well we got to track down the original Toga and stop her. So Uraraka thinks like, okay, well, what kind of thing is going to give her away if she's a twice and there's all these other twices surrounding her. Uh, and so Toga is in emotional turmoil right now because, you know, she was you know all gung ho along with Dobby to kill all the heroes and, and utilize Jean's quirk in order to do this. And we get a flash for naked, of course, because why you wouldn't know, she be Nick? How else how, do you symbolize someone's in their inner thoughts if they're not nude? Except for yeah. all the times when Deku does it and all of his characters are fully clothed. But that's that's different. This is totally different. This is Toga. Yeah, she's a villain, so she's gotta be naked. Yeah. So it's it's about why. expressing her vulnerability and um the horniness of the author. Uh, it's <laughs> it's trying to like expand upon those themes of like you know innocence versus i'd like to draw naked women <laughs> from, from horiguchi <laughs> it's a very uh if we delve into the author's psyche of the <laughs> drawing of a silhouetted girl's boobs yeah uh it symbolizes, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when you think about what this is really saying, because it's like, ah, she's naked, but we cannot see her nipples. And that is evocative <laughs> of the fact that if she drew them, he'd get in trouble. <laughs> he'd get yelled at, which is, of course, symbolic of heroes <laughs> fighting evil. I think you guys are confusing, like, symbolism with just, like, reality. <laughs> Oh wait, do I not know what symbolism is? <laughs> this is sim- this is symbolic of how far we can push the envelope in this in this magazine that is intended for readers 10 to 18. It's symbolic of the fact that there's not another character to reflect her nipples off of their eyelids like Ayakashi Triangle does. Oh god. Uh anyway. 
in terms of actual content, uh, Toga is uh, having this uh, big me- mental breakdown because she's like, I, I, but I love Tamora and I, and I love Toya, but their quirks aren't working for me, even though I can use Ochako's quirk and I can use Jean's quirk. Why, why isn't it? I know I love them. I know I love them. Uh, so what's then she's, you know, clawing at her face and she's just has this big, massive two-page spread with a bunch of word bubbles in it with Dobby saying all heroes must die while Toga thinks to herself why can't I become Jean which does tie of course back into her you know her whole thing where she wants to become the people that she loves and she's not able to in this moment because she can't perfectly mimic Jean's abilities and and fortunately you know she's not in a very stressful situation right now so you know she's got time to you know deal with that and step away from everything Oh, right. There's never mind this mass battle around her. So it's not a very good time to do that. Okay. Very good. Uh, we are reminded that Uraraka always loves seeing happy people. So she zeroes in on the person that's not happy. Like, all right. She sees Toga crying yeah. uh, in, in Jean's form, uh, even through the twice mask. Uh, and uh, so, oh, Uraraka has spotted her, but we cut away from that scene where uh, Tokoyami is still giant shadow punching the shit out of All for One. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't last super long because All for One's got a bajillion quirks. One of them is some sort of fireball thing that he lets off, and of course it greatly hurts uh, Dark Shadow. Uh, and uh, when the smoke clears, uh, he is even younger now and he's looking increasingly bishy uh and uh tokoyami freaks out like this is a bad thing uh i mean he's just kind of younger it doesn't necessarily mean he's stronger in my mind i'm like he still just looks like a a regular man like i keep waiting for like an aesthetic design choice that like allow me to like instantly recognize this character out of a crowd instead it's another face that like when it shows up i'm like who is that oh yeah all for one without the mask okay i get it if you were to get your ruler out quinn you could see that his jaw is very slightly narrower (laughs) because he's younger that's called lore nick is it (laughs) yeah they're gonna make some some um i don't want to say a a, a derogatory term but some big geek is making a 40 minute video about like his narrow chin Symbolic of the power. new form of all for one. <laughs> what it means yeah. for the future? How strong it is in comparison to his last form, which was like I don't know, around like thirty-ish all for one. This is like twenty-ish all for one. Uh, this uh, video was made when the chapter dropped. Sorry, who am I kidding? The chapter dropped. The spoilers dropped last <laughs> yeah. week, and it already has five million views. So what are we even doing here? So, uh everyone's desperately trying to still you know hold all, all for one down but you know he's lit off this huge explosion he's like all right i'm going he's just gonna leave uh yorashi tries to send a gale to help hawks and tokiyami keep up uh and then we get a, 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 a back go back to the beginning narration of oh, that these two men came to realizations that the situation was actually for all for one perfectly optimal because, oh shit, Gigantomachia is here. Uh, he has arrived in the battlefield, uh, and all for one just kind of glances uh, almost dismissively towards him. Is like, yep, yeah, flatten them. Go kill them. Uh, so that's very bad, because we have seen, of course, that Machia is 
basically unstoppable uh, unless you poisoned him. Uh, and however, Hawks has come to the realization the situation isn't that disastrous, right, Sukouchi? I don't know why he's Nick. talking to Sukouchi, but <laughs> Nick, who's that? That that's 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 the cop that works with with all my. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe they're anyway. Maybe they're like pen pals. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, he has to communicate with him, but I don't know why he's well, whatever. Dragonomachia throws a a piece of the earth, a thing, uh, <laughs> a, a function of ground, <laughs> perhaps uh, directly, a mountain, perhaps a bunch of trees. <laughs> uh, throws it directly at all for one, and uh, only uh, only when he's like after he's like deflected with one of his you know bajillion abilities does he look closer and realize that up in Dragonomachia's hair there's Kirishima. And also Shinzo, who presumably has fucking hypnotized Shigetsumakia. <laughs> such like so it's almost like a really core reveal until it's like fucking Kirishima be like, I'm here too. And I'm like Yeah, I don't really get what that's about. You're like, cool, bro. I'm glad you're here doing a lot, question mark. Um Shinzo is kinda cool. I I don't know at what point uh, this like train has to stop of like a chapter ends mm. with like a new hero has shown up to save the day I feel like we have to kind of be out of it but maybe there's another person we can there get. are several class 1B students we haven't gotten to see do anything oh my God. yeah Kendo shows up next you fucking karate chops off one of his <laughs> knees like ah and she's like, time to chop down the competition. It's just everyone's coming in to do their Smash Brothers reveals. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we get we'll get one that'll that'll just be you know, oh god, that double impact guy, whatever the fuck his whole thing is, he just runs up and just bops the Shigaraki in the shins. Like, well, are you gonna use your quirk? He's like, no, I just I just kick you in the shins, and and that's it. Oh, everyone's like, a quirkless being has defeated me. Ah! <laughs> That's what takes him down. Look, look, I do. Appreciate- oh, your quirk is so lame. I would never want it. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that. Like we've had now a sequence of chapters that all just end with all for one getting his shit pushed in. I enjoy that. It is. That is satisfying. Uh, but it is, uh, we are reaching like uh, like uh, an event horizon of characters showing up to save the day like i this should be like a very cool exciting thing but i i am like very exhausted now of like and the chapter ends with a new hero joining the fight or turning up the heat a little bit like all right let's can we just move forward i don't i don't really need to keep track of 17 characters in this scene uh the only thing i can presume is that uh um Kirishima was, I guess, like bodyguarding Shinso to get uh, him up. Yeah, like maybe like a bunch of attacks Uh, against him, and it's like, no, I'm super hard. Bling, bling, bling. Bling. He's like, ah, maximum hardness. And Shinso's like, wait, you call it what? (laughs) Hey, uh, I know I really need to preserve my voice right now for more important things. (laughs) What do you call it again? (laughs) So your market is manly men! I'm not going to judge you. I just want you to be aware of what you're saying. I want to make sure that you know what you're I saying. I need you to know that you're saying something 
very specific. <laughs> I need to educate you because I feel like you do not grasp the situation. Uh, so yeah, that that is where we are uh, with uh, My Hero Academia. Uh, I would join us next week when I don't know Deku's mom shows up to help the heroes. Uh, oh man, and... that'd actually be kind of cool. She's just she's just like mom punch. I mean, to be real. But then she just kicks all for one the dick. <laughs> <laughs> to be very real, if for whatever reason Deku's mom shows up and kicks all for one the dick, and that's how he loses. One hundred percent. That'd be a great series. Perfect, yeah, I don't think I, no notes. Uh, Nick, let's talk about Undead Unlock number one forty nine. You see me now? Uh, so this chapter ends or starts in a flashback of a character we have never met before. Mm-hmm. I had no mm-hmm. idea who mm-hmm. I was looking at. It's just someone saying I want to be cast in the lead role. I don't want to be like my old man. And I legitimately sat here. I was like. Who the fuck Who are we that? talking? Like I, w- it took like, two, like, it took the first page, and then I'm like, oh right, unseen Sean. So it, it, it makes more sense now. Uh, but yeah, we're we're finding a backstory that Sean, as a kid, uh, was in like a side role, and his dad was also an actor, and apparently also kind of does like minor roles and things like that. So mm-hmm. we cut to the present. We see Sean, Sean Dats, unseen, who is behind the bear, the 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 unbreakable wall, as Creed's undecreasing bullets are, you know, shattering against it. And he's just, uh, we get the explanation that by closing his eyes, he renders himself and anything he owns unseen. And it keeps kind of mixing more with the flashback as we go back to just right before this mission. And he's like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. She's like, uh, Fuko's like, oh, but you haven't heard all the details. All I said was we keep you uh, in custody for the time being. He's like, nah, you know, my unseen super handy. Everyone's like, you know, you're a pretty cool dude. They rely on me and I'm pretty hot commodity. So, you know, what you're talking about is a whole separate matter. I only team up with blood brothers and people I trust wholeheartedly. Uh, and Fuko's like, oh, okay, well, then you must be, you know, we'll just hold things down as we go, you know, we leave. And he's like, wait. You, you stay here. Yeah. He's like, no, yeah. you, you need me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, your plan involved me. So don't you need my power? And she's like, well, yeah, definitely. But, you know, uh, and he, like, kind of gives, like, a yeesh. Okay. But just this once does, like, a little pose and everything. And Fuko's like, hey, cool. Thanks. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just she, super chill about it yeah but she puts a little union symbol on sean's hat and is like it's proof that you're one of us good to have you aboard mr sean uh so you know in the present fuko's like mr sean we need your help he's like fuck that I ain't doing this you're doing shit fucking dude shooting non-stop bullet at us bullets <laughs> so he tries to start running away with his unseen but his negator symbol is not something he considers himself to own, so it is still visible. So Creed sees this little union symbol floating by, and he's like, I guess I'll shoot at that. And, you know, he barely... I can see the Predator's blaze. <laughs> you know, he barely, you know, he barely escapes back into behind cover, and he's like, all right, you know what fucking we're going to do is whips off his shirt and just starts waving a red, uh, his shirt as a white flag to be like, I surrender, I'm not with these guys. And Creed's this like, guy so, this guy sucks so much. Yeah. Creed's like, gotta kill him. 
starts turning the bolts to it, but Gina jumps in the way, starts blocking with her own change. Uh, Void reaches in and basically snatches back of both of them back behind the uh, the, the wall. And he's like, what you, what, what are you doing? I, I thought you were, uh, you know, a creator is basically like, I thought you guys were like a small elite force coming in between two rival forces, but you've got some guy miscasting your group. Stop toying me. I, I don't remember in the previous universe creed having such bizarre <laughs> vernacular he okay is, he is so on point <laughs> with all of his thematic insults and discussions of characters it is phenomenal he's basically saying half-assed maggots have no place here and he tosses a whole bunch of grenades we see the other members of Union basically, like, unite together to, you know, stop these grenades from going off or whatever. Uh, and, you know, Creed's just like, ah, oh, they're so skilled. I gotta wait for that guy to slip up again. Come on, Mr. Miscast. Uh, and Sean just starts thinking, like, hey, Mr. Miscast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, why did you guys save a screw up like me? And they're like, uh, you know, he's right. You should just leave me be. I'm nothing more than a side character. And we have to cut to Sean, a.k.a. Unseen's tragedy, which is not as tragic as the others. Uh, not nearly. He wants to be an actor, so he goes to audition. However, every time he blinks, he disappears. And no one knows what he's doing, so he just doesn't get parts. Everyone thinks he's doing some weird shit. And he can't help that fact about himself. So he'll never be able to be a great actor. One that can put his late dad to shame. But it's fine because other people can see me. Gangsters and, and people like that. And he's like, this is fine. It's just a place where I'm going to be recognized, whatever. Uh, and we cut to the, the present where Foucault's like, Mr. Sean, you are not a side character. When people work hard to fulfill their role from the outside looking in, it's easy to assume that there are leading and side roles. Uh, but one person's side character could be another one's leading man. Now, that said, you will not ever be on the cover of Shonen Jump. I need to stress that. No. You are not the lead character. It's either no. Andy or myself. Uh, maybe both of us. Maybe just Andy. Definitely me if it's sw a swimsuit thing. But, like, you know, <laughs> that kind of changes depending on the, the season. But, look, the fact of the matter is... Anyone can put the role, they're all into the role they're given, and you're the coolest around, no matter what you say or anything like that. So why don't you take another good look at yourself? You're unseen. You're not miscast here. And if you want to fight back, we'll give you a hand. So Sean is like, ah, shit. Like, they really could have just turned a blind eye to me and everything like that. But we get, like, a, a description about Sean's power renders himself at anything that he <laughs> believes belonged to him as unseen but in a previous loop that was the extent of his abilities however now his abilities have expanded and we get a little thing between him and his dad where he's like hey dad don't you always hate being cast in side roles he's like why would i it's like because the leads will get all the attention he's like ah whenever i see a lead actor getting praised for the role i feel as happy as if they're praising me uh and he's like his kid's like how come <laughs> he's like well, that's a good question Maybe your being bored was enough to change my perspective. So Sean's just like, all right, you know what? Maybe this is like father like son after all. And I don't mind a side roll this time. Go ahead and get him, brother. And we see that 
Sean has used his unseen ability to not only make himself entirely invisible, meaning he now considers the Union uh, symbol to be a part of himself, uh, but he sneaks Fuko over as well, who gets behind Creed and drops him with her little kung fu super move. Uh, and he just says, we're of one body and mind, but the credit goes to me. Now you see me, old man. All right. <laughs> look i do appreciate that we're going to get a chapter for sean unseen um it is important to get something where we're still kind of existing at this point where like we we recruited three characters very quickly and it felt weird to not give them anything so if you're meant to care about all of the negators you have to do something like this for for unseen who was never that significant of a character he literally no. was like in a bad loop kills fuko in the regular loop just gets eviscerated immediately um but so it's nice to see something like that here <clears throat> It's not a super compelling, like, backstory or anything like that. Like, it's one of those, again, where I feel like uh, uh, Tezuka was just like, ah, shit, some of these are hard to write tragedies for. So, like, there's a part of me that's like, oh, no, his career as an actor is done for. I mean, I guess any job he'd have would be like, well, this is weird. Yeah. Why do you keep disappearing? Why do you keep turning invisible, like, you know, at the frequency someone blinks? Yeah. So. Um, but you know, it, it, it works like this is not like a, 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 a like finely crafted machine, but I was fine with it. And I, I do think the end like two page spread is pretty cool with him bringing Fuko in. Oh yeah. I do like that. Um, I'm kind of at the point where I, where I just think, I mean, all right, we kind of know what he's about now. He's not a very interesting or entertaining character to me, but if he had never gotten a chapter or explanation, of what his whole deal was. We would have continued to say until the end of the series, why don't we know anything about Sean? Like, <laughs> and now we do. Uh, it's like, all right, we know that now. It wasn't terrible, but I, I'm just kind of glad it's done. Yeah, uh, that's fair. Just, just kind of move on to something more interesting and compelling. I guess it also helps if they have like a coward in the group. Everyone right now is currently very gung ho about everything. Pretty badass, you, yes. You, you, I guess you, you want a new sop every so often. Not... <laughs> What an insult to Usopp. <laughs> no, I'm saying he's like a whole archetype. This is not as no, good no. as Usopp. All right. So. I'm sorry, Usopp. All right. Uh, let's move on to Thanks, talk Soge about... King just blocked me on Twitter. What's up with that? Hey, I wonder... <laughs> yeah. What were that to do? You didn't do... I mean, you didn't say anything about that bad about him. No. So. I've always I've always talked about how much I love Sniper Island and how it's in my heart. <laughs> All right. Let's talk a bit about Chainsaw Man. Thank you. Uh, chapter 122, The Prophecies. So Fami's meeting with Yoshida, I guess. Uh, did they establish that was going to happen? I don't recall that. If they Not did. specific. I mean, it is definitely like, oh, Yoshida okay. did say he had to meet with someone. Yeah, so. Yoshida, like, in this moment of being like, oh, okay. As we noted before, the, the, the line of him being like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you could erase death is starting to make more sense. Like, he, he knows mm -hmm. these horsemen. So, Fami and uh, Yoshida are at a restaurant. Fami orders honey toast, seasonal fruits assortment, vanilla ice cream, chocolate cake, oven baked pancakes, and strawberry parfait. Uh, five each. So, uh, good for her. 
Um, yeah, so Yoshida specifically has asked for this meeting. Uh, and uh, he says, like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think you'd show up, Fabi-senpai. Or should I say, famine devil? <laughs> and she just says, y- you should call me Fabi. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've, okay, all right. I mean, I've heard you're, the, 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 that you devils are bad with names, but that's kind of ridiculous. Are you even trying to hide? And she says, I mean, I don't care if my identity is exposed. But she does insist on being called Fami. Yeah. So it's... So, yeah. it's a, that's, 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 that's it. the short, easy to remember name, Nick. I'm never going to forget mm-hmm. Super Famicom. <laughs> okay, so uh, so he says, all right, there's an urban legend going around lately from the prophecies of Nostradamus. Reliable guy. Month, Reliable guy. <laughs> in the seventh month of 1999, a great king of terror will descend. And, uh, you know, it's getting a lot of attention because of predicting the end of humanity. And, you know, most society just thinks it's just like, you know, sensationalized uh, by people, you know, excitable students and stuff. But public safety believes otherwise. In an experiment, they had 30 convicts make contracts with the future devil! The future rules! You're all going to die! (laughs) He rules! And then public safety had them ask when they're going to die. And in 23 out of 30 cases, the future devil predicted they'd lose their lives in July 1999. And Fami kind of very unconvincingly, like, tries to play this off. And, and I love that. And, I, I love, like, the look <laughs> off at to the side. It's like, he's not going to, he doesn't, he doesn't, he can't read me, right? <laughs> and uh, so... Yoshia says, look, I know you're up to something, and public safety thinks it's connected to the prophecies of Nostradamus, so I'm here to make you talk. And if you refuse, I might have to start giving you the devil treatment. So, Big big Billy Badass over here, uh, (laughs) talking like he's going to just destroy this girl. But she does just start talking uh, and says, the other seven died this week, don't they? And Yoshida doesn't say anything, but she says, 40 seconds ago, a devil appeared at East District Tamano Apartments, the first of the devils who will shepherd the world to the ultimate terror. She is a devil with the name of a primal fear. Her name is... And we don't find out yet. (gasps) What do you think, Nick? It's a primal fear. I wonder if she's actually talking about war, honestly. Like, and just talking about Yoru. (laughs) That'd be wild, if that's the case. I mean, she did just get to the East District Tomano apartment, so maybe she's talking about Yoru. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of the apartments, we look inside one of the apartments, and this is very upsetting. It's just a guy and... uh, His partner? Presumably his partner, yeah. Presumably partner. Uh, and uh, he says, like, oh, yeah, I was talking with my boss today, and he said I might get promoted next month. Uh, and uh, she's like, oh, are you going to get a raise then? No, no, I, mean, I don't know for sure, probably. But I bet they'll force annoying work on me, too, though. So can I buy a car? Just, no, we can take the train. All right, and the maintenance costs and insurance costs are pretty bad. Hey, you want to die? And just, And he just says that. In the middle of this casual conversation about, you know, stuff that they're having. And she says, 
Okay, yeah, let's do that. And they walk to the window and get up on the balcony. And the guy who was just talking about wanting to get a car looks down in the parking lot and is like, huh, a car. And they then they just drop over the ledge and presumably die on impact with the ground. Very likely. So, um, did I ever tell you the story? This was like shortly after my mom had her stroke. Uh, and I had my cousin over to my house. Uh, and we were sitting downstairs, watching TV or playing video games over. And my mom came uh, to like the top of like where the basement was. And she was like, Bob, I'm going to go die now. And like I had been with my mom long you enough for me to know that, yeah, that she yeah. just meant I'm going to bed. But I, without yeah. skipping to me, was like, all right, see you, mom. And my cousin was like, do I need to give you a hug? Like, what, what was that? You have told me that. <laughs> I just have to kind of like roll with those <laughs> stories at this point. Uh, so, yeah, it turns out all those people that were kind of looking down at Yoru when they went to the balconies. Yeah, all of them were just getting ready to jump. Ah! So they all fall to the ground. Bodies are breaking. Blood's flying out of orifices. Uh, and Yoru realizes, okay, something bad is happening. So she gets out her ruler sword. Ah! <laughs> It's, 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 it's a sword made out of a ruler. Doesn't have the power. same hit as aquarium spear, unfortunately, yeah. or dingy spinal cord sword or whatever. Or even school uniform ultimate, ultimate sword, whatever yeah. she called it. It's it's just ruler sword. So presumably it's not very strong because like No, I love this ruler. ruler. I love this ruler, Nick. It's just a giant ruler. <laughs> With the, with the with the hole in it, so she can grip it uh, properly without having to like you know awkwardly grab around the whole uh, yeah. base of it. So she looks, she's you know kind of like prepares herself with her ruler sword, and then realizes that the bodies are kind of shambling and gathering together into a pile, and she realizes, ah, uh, uh, I misjudged. Uh, I can't win this fight, and she drops Asa's bag and turns to run as the bodies form into a naked feminine figure with too many arms. There's a lot of arms. There are quite a lot of arms there. It doesn't have feet. It has hands because those are hands at the bottom. Uh, And then it doesn't have a head. It just has a bunch of arms that are kind of crossed over each other. Uh... And um but it does have tits. Yeah. So that's important. Uh this is obviously Nanek, the hand devil. One of the primal fears, darkness, uh you know, fire, hands, all equally <laughs> like all equally terrifying, uh <laughs> abjectly horrifying kind of things to think about. When man first emerged from the darkness and started to use tools to help him on his way. He looked down at what he was holding, and then at what he was holding it with, and man went. Ah! Ah! Man went eek no, <laughs> began gnawing off their hands. Um. So, yeah, I don't really have any clear idea what the fuck the devil is that made this. This so. Uh, I, I guess we'll find out in a, in a chapter or so. Uh, but Asa, not Asa, but Yoru is uh, clearly knows that this is bad fucking news. Uh, so 
uh, we shall see what's going yeah. on here. Uh, this chapter was kind of short. Uh, I do love like the beginning conversation with Fami. Um, and I think that the scene of all the people leaping out of their apartments uh, is going to be like an awesome scene to see animated. Because uh, you can just mm. kind of visually like, I mean, gross. It's going to be horrifying. But like, oh, yeah, it will be, you know, narratively very uh, uncomfortable to watch in a good way when it gets animated. Uh, but yeah, we'll be curious to see what happens here. I guess it's the first time though we've had like a chapter in where I'm not like, holy shit, like what's happening now? I'm just like, I wonder if it is the hand devil because like hands are hard to draw. So maybe artists are like, oh, no. But then, you know, Fujimoto was like, fuck you. I'm going to draw a hundred hands. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, for, for whatever reason, this, this sequence reminded me the, of the beginning of the happening yeah. where, where all the, all the construction workers, you know, drop off and stuff, which is probably the only time I've ever seen a scene that features, you know, that kind of act and be like, this is kind of silly. Like, it's just, you know, this is the impeccable, the impeccable film quality of that made me like, you know what? Maybe this act isn't so horrifying to witness. <laughs> so thanks, M. Night Shyamalan, for making this scene a little bit less disturbing for me to read. Oh, so. he helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way, <laughs> very roundabout sense, and that's why the happening is a good movie. Yeah. So, Kaiju number eight, guys. Let's talk about that. It's chapter eighty-one of this manga, which features monsters and parental trauma. So, uh, yes. So, Kikaru is still in that mental landscape uh, where you know she's just a little girl still, and is just kind of forced to deal with the reality that her both of her parents are dead, and so she'll never get praised by them again. And Kaiju number fifteen is mocking her for it. And she starts screaming inside this mental, inside this mindscape. And that's basically the end of the chapter. Cause we kind of already do everything else that happens after this point. Cause uh, a bunch some reports start coming in over like, okay, you know, Narumi is fighting this thing, but it uses water and uh, it starts to land some hits on him. And this big, pseudo reptilian thing with like a xenomorph head is mocking Narumi saying you read my movements based on the electrical signals in my body but you can't read the water's movements and this thing is a waterbender and oh no it's Narumi's worst weakness water ah Uh, and uh Hoshina is fighting the you know big armored devil thing and it just sends him flying with a huge attack uh, and Hoshina's like, shit, how am I losing in a clash of blades? Uh, he's getting cut up. And uh, so they re- they realize, like, oh, my God, this new kaiju specializes at single target direct confrontation. And then she realizes and Okanogi realizes it's almost as if it was specifically created to go up against the vice captain. And oh, my God, the bald guy whose only job is to talk about Kikuru's parents <laughs> Says something different. <laughs> I I wonder if he was struggling because he's kind of sweating. He's like, we're on the receiving ends. Oh, thank God Kikori's mom isn't here to see yeah. this because she's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he re- he just realizes like, yeah, over over time, you know, the, the defense corps has been uh, analyzing all these different kaiju in order to find the ideal way to deal with them. And for the first time in history, we're the ones on the receiving end. And this is like, visualized as like a big creepy kaiju head just kind of looking down at people 
Very bored looking people, I should say. Just people on the street somewhere. And it's going, oh, I'll discover your weaknesses. Uh, so. Ah. Uh, and uh, uh, the least important members of all the uh, the <laughs> Lieutenant Corps uh, are probably going to die. Uh, that's uh, that's what we end on. So, uh, I mean, it'd be wild because I guess we haven't really seen too much like violent death of like regular characters in this series. I guess we did. To have like a bunch of like nobodies get blown up like a week or two ago. Um, this is like a moment though where I'm like, I still don't know who these people are or why I meant to care about their fight. Like, why would you design a kaiju to fight them specifically? Like, I need to face down ponytail guy and highlights girl. <laughs> they have to go down a kaiju. We need one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, uh, they are looking utterly defeated, uh, and, uh, Ponytail Guy is just getting his, the shit choked out of him by this, by this kaiju that was apparently specialized to beat him, and Minigun Girl. It's, so. it, it seems like he was specialized just choking a guy. <laughs> it seems like what they really did, and that was it. Oh, my one weakness! <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, I've never been choked before, ooh, I thought I'd like this, but I don't, ooh. Just like really, really mundane weaknesses. So, so you know, there's the fanciful ones like, oh, Narumi is weak to water. Oh, Kikaru is vulnerable to mental things. We haven't really seen what, you know, what Mina's specialized kaiju is. Maybe it, like it's got, I don't know, like. Maybe it's got like a ser- just a tube, like a, a, pipe. a personality. No, <laughs> like maybe it's just got like a pipe so that like her blasts go in one end and it just oh, goes be, back out the end. That'd be pretty cool. It's just like boom. Gotcha. <laughs> but this guy is like, oh, my weakness is being stabbed through the heart. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how did you know? <laughs> that's why I, Stabby McPunch Heart, is am here to duel you. <laughs> and that is why I, Choppy McBite's heads off. <laughs> I, Sir Chokes a lot, will be the one to take you down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that is why I, Sir Heart, <laughs> Sir Heart Failure. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this uh, was. Um, I I don't know. I, I it didn't leave, it didn't do a whole lot for me. Uh, just because I I just did definitely get this feeling of like you've been talking about this point for a while <laughs> like oh maybe they're specialized kaiju to just beat these guys and yeah you can do that kind of thing even if it's been predicted and it still feels kind of satisfying when it happens but i think that just because of the pacing of the way the reveal goes out this doesn't do a whole lot for me unfortunately i think if i had a reason to care about these two characters at the end like i truly don't remember if we've really seen a whole lot out of them i might just be forgetting because i'm i'm bad at remembering things um but because i don't have any connection to these two characters this like this last two page spread just doesn't hit like when i first saw it i was like oh my god like is that mina like is she in that bad and i was like that's not mina that's someone else oh it's those two characters i don't know anything about and i just mm-hmm. kind of like had everything a little bit deflated because i do think that moment actually kind of hits of just like they're designed to kill, like defeat us, and like you close in on one who looks like he's killing one of them. Like wow, this oh yeah, is, like brutal. But I'm like, I don't know these people. Like I just I don't remember them. I'm sorry. Even just a little bit to make sure that you know you remembered them. They need uh, beyond them showing up at that you know meeting of the captains and stuff. They and need a Sean, aka unseen chapter for me to be like, oh highlights girl, no get out of there. 
Yeah, maybe just like one chapter of them kicking ass for a bit to be like, oh, I, okay, I'm kind of getting enough. used to like who these people are. And then they just like die the next time you see them. It's like, oh, shit. All right. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, let's move on to Spy Family. Spy Family. 76. That's that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, It's... Anya is having dinner with her family, and she's singing her own theme song, which is a thing that Anya does. That's adorable. If I got a Stella star, I would also sing a lot of songs about how awesome I am. (laughs) Uh, I love just the bit at the beginning, because they say, like, oh, make sure you eat your green peppers, Anya. And Anya's like, Starlight Anya doesn't have to eat anything she doesn't want to. (laughs) Just making her own rules for herself because she thinks she's so great. I like the world. She's just like, since when? Just eat them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just has no patience for this. Um, and uh, they do, but they also make sure to say, like, you know, it was really dangerous, like, the way that you were behaving you know, around those violent people. Uh, but they also said that they were, like, de- you were, like, demanding food from your captors. And I was like, oh, I was hungry. Or starts to get self conscious because he's like, Oh, did the breakfast I give you that morning not have enough nutrition? I was like, Oh, no one, no one's eating so, your food. You're, I'm sorry, you're she's so hard on herself. Yes. <laughs> um, so Lloyd uh says that he's going to drive on you to school that day. Uh, and he does think to himself, like, you know, I look, she she's acting fine, but she. I know that she went through something that was probably terribly traumatic, so I should treat her with patience and with care. Uh, so he drives Anya to school, and immediately Anya's like, Papa's car sucks! <laughs> Just singing to herself in the back about it. Uh, and Lloyd's like, alright, maybe she's fine. <laughs> so they get to school. Or they don't get to school, but on the way to school, Anya just kind of like looks over and sees some, you know, some you know, some a, a kid walking with their parents, and so she says to Lloyd, "Do the families that came to pick up their kids love them more?" And it's just one of those kind of things that, like, you know, only a really little kid would can ask that kind of question. Um, and uh, Lloyd says, "I mean, I suppose you could say that." Which is, I mean, I don't know. That's a little bit direct and judgy, but. Uh, you know, Anya's reflecting on the whole thing with Damien and all the weird stuff that he picked up from Damien's mother. Uh, and she just thinks to herself, his family seemed really weird. That about sums it up, yes. Yeah. Uh, Lloyd starts to wonder, like, oh, does is she resenting me because I didn't come to pick her up? Oh, so she spent all that time at the orphanage and maybe she's got abandonment issues that she's dealing with. Uh, I can't, I, if, if this comes up, up to, you know, then and she gets, starts to re-experience that, then there'll be an obstacle to the mission. So I've got to make sure that I help her through it. But how? And Anya reads her, his mind and is being like, you know, I would really like some cake today. And he's like, oh, okay, gotta get you cake. Gotta get you cake, Anya. So sometimes Anya is very clever. Sometimes. And I want everyone to remember that for when we're talking about what happens in like five minutes when Anya is the least clever person in the world. Um, Henderson is having a meeting with quote unquote Mr. Tudor in residence. So I don't think we know this guy's name. Uh, and uh, so he asks, like, oh, do you know, are, how, how are you, you know, dealing with, you know, what happened during the trip and everything? And uh, he's, he's, he says, oh, yeah, sometimes I kind of get like 
start to get flashbacks and Henderson says, oh, I know a great psychiatrist that I could recommend for you. And he's talking about Lloyd. And it's like, oh, right, that's Lloyd's cover. So it's it is good to know that Henderson considers him uh, a friend. Positively. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, but the, the suitor says, I think the, you need to be focusing on children. But Henderson says something very nice and he continues to just be like you know a good dude in this series where he says like look we've got to not neglect our own mental health if we are going to support the kids um and uh the tutor the tutor says and i understand that you know our meeting with the parents didn't really go well yesterday uh and henderson says well the parents and children have every right to be anxious and angry and it is our duty to support them through this uh as there are greater precautions, of course, being taken around the school to make sure that the students can attend safely. Um, so Damien arrives at school. He's dropped off by Jeeves, uh, his butler. And uh, he. we have a flashback to uh, when he was at his house eating by himself, this poor child. Uh, and uh, he asks his butler then, like, hey, what, what, isn't mother going to be coming? And his butler says, well, your mother has returned to her own residence. Very specific wording, which indicates that she lives in a separate fucking building. So rich people, they can love each other as little as they want, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, but he can clearly tell what Damien is thinking in this moment. So Jeeves also says... I'm not supposed to like talk to you about this kind of thing. So just consider this me talking to myself, but your mother cooked every dish here herself. So again, that very weird, uh, conflicting emotions that his mother has for him. Yes. Uh, of course it's not too long before, uh, all of the, important kids at the school run into each other uh to put it shortly you know anya runs into becky uh, uh and that you know damien and his and his crew are are passing by nearby as well but a bunch of the students also start kind of like flocking around anya into calling her a hero because of you know what she did on the bus and, and helping people out and everything and everyone's like oh my god you're so cool anya you stood up to the bad guys and anya says no 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 Refer to me as Double Starlight Anya from now on. Yeah, so that all happens. Uh, And uh, she's thinking to herself like, yes, yes, my era has begun. Whatever shall I do? Soon I'll have a hundred friends. Enough friends to conquer the world! Because she has a great sense of scale. Um... Uh, so Damien, of course, is like, look at her, you know, she's, she's, what, what does she have to celebrate? And Becky starts to chide him because she, and she, and she says, oh, you're getting jealous because all those guys flocking around on you, one of them might ask her out instead of you. <gasps> and, uh, Damien's, you know, like, <gasps> and then he's like, what? No, no, I don't care about that. No, no. Girls are gross. Cause he's six. So. Also, he literally like has a shiver and then is like, I'm not shivering about that. And he like knocks the word bubble out of the air, which is uh, very silly. Um, a bunch of people are like asking Ani about weird stuff about, you know, her family. And she, you know, asks, she answers in weird ways because her family's weird, of course. Uh, and then 
eventually because of people's interest in her family like oh what if i were to like get trained by your mom and stuff uh anya's like wait but this way maybe i could get i could get damien to come over to my house and then he would bring his his dad over so this is the, the plan b that i can that i can work on uh so she keeps on, you know, talking about like, oh, how great like her training regimen is that makes her so strong and brave and stuff. Uh, and so they say, oh, well, what other weird things are there about your family life? And I just says, well, my pop is always telling me to study. Like, I mean, yeah, our, our, our parents do that, too. Well, they make me carry stuff at the store. OK, yeah, that sounds that seems that seems reasonable. Yeah, it's good, it's good that you have, that you, you know, have, you know, chores to help your family out. And my toothbrush weighs a hundred kilo- kilograms. Oh my gosh! Oh, oh dear. So, so Becky's realizing, like, no, Anya, no, you're, 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 no, you're, you're, you're losing you're, them. You're, <laughs> you're losing the thread. You're, you're just catching yourself in a lie. So she says, no, you know what you guys really don't understand it is like Anya's strength is actually from like she gets to train with her mother, who's really super strong, and I get to train with her sometimes too. And it's great. And I was like, oh wow, her so her mom's really strong. And I was like, no, no, now they're gonna think my mom is great and it's gonna be her who gets the glory. And she's like, no, no, my mom's not great, you guys. <laughs> Just completely has lost the thread. <laughs> she's lost every bit of what she was trying to do. She's a very dumb child, but that's adorable. Um, so eventually she makes up the lie like oh mama broke her neck the other day so she can't train you right now I'll train you guys instead you guys got a punch like this um, and uh, Damien starts to say like, like you guys look stupid uh, and he says if you try and be friends with her then you're just going to disgrace your family uh, and Anya's like now he's trying to stop me from being popular it's like she's just has lost all sense of any perspective of what's going on and so she says you're a big bean jerk and damien says oh yeah well, well i hate you you're a big dumb stubby legged ugly runt a meat meal grubbing sheepies your mom's a gorilla and your dad's a fraud not the most inaccurate insults he could have chosen for her parents i guess um and uh anya like looks at this and like what what what, what? i don't have stubby legs <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, you made you made Forger cry, Damien! Wow, I guess Damien really is the strongest. He's way more hardcore." And I was like, "No, don't think he's strong. We're supposed to conquer. You're supposed to help me conquer the world." Oh man, she really it really fell apart for poor Anna. She she came into this in a really strong way, and then it all fell apart. So she starts crying. Becky has like no idea how to comfort her. Uh, and Damien's crew are like, oh, Lord Damien, you fucking schooled her. And then Damien gets kind of like, he blushes and looks to the side. like, uh, um, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll bring you some candy. Don't, 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 don't cry, okay? And his crew are, are being like, did you just apologize to her? He's like, no! We're leaving! We have to go! We have to go! Uh, and then he says, and anyway, apologizing properly makes me stronger. So I... I did win that exchange, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I guess you did." And he's like, "What? No, 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 he didn't. I'm still stronger than you." He's like, "We? No, you're not. You were crying." He's like, 
Yeah, but you're the one who cried when your mom picked you up. No, I didn't. Shut up. Shut up. So they're arguing like six-year-olds. Uh, and uh, they uh, go to class and the chapter ends on the note from the narrator, which is they were both late to class like good friends, which is a bizarrely sweet way to end the chapter. I yeah, feel they're like. good so. friends, Nick. Uh, it's very cute. I love the adorable moment on you being like, I didn't lose. <laughs> just very so many, so many nice just little jokes to just kind of cap off a big dramatic moment that happens in their arguments. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's very sweet. And I like that, you know, you get that sense that they are getting closer, getting along better, even though they're being stupid little kids. Yeah, they definitely are. Uh, Nick, you want to know who aren't being stupid little kids, though? The characters uh, who is of Roll Trigger. My gosh, they're such smart little kids. They're all so it's, smart. It's chapter 231 of World Trigger. The away mission test part. Hang on. The away mission test part 28. So. <laughs> is it only been that long? Oh. Wow. Flies. <laughs> oh, you've woken the professor. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, he's back down. Now you're good. <laughs> All right. False alarm. False yeah. alarm. So we get a little bit of a montage of some of the simulation tests. Look at little Katori's go cutting people up. Ha ha ha. Slash slash slash. Ooh, look at look at little Osamu. He's holding his shield up. Blink, blink. It's good. Good stuff. Oh, my God. They they won the match. But the nine unit gap. Woo. And they're like, well, man, that went according to plan. Nice. Efficient teamwork and stuff because they're doing the whole thing where they divide the units up between like captains to manage and, and, and stuff like right. Uh. Meanwhile, uh, Murakami Squad uh, is reacting to just having lost to Sua Squad, and they're like, "Yeah, um, this uh, they they kind of just beat the shit out of us. It feels like their teamwork was way better, uh, and they, and they think that that there's no way that they are just you know like a little bit better than yesterday with some training. This is a huge gap from last time. Maybe they've got some sort of killer strategy, uh, and so they try and figure out like, no, well, maybe we should do something." Maybe we need to come up with a, a special strategy of our own. And Murakami's just like, no. No. <laughs> We're going to do nothing. Fair enough, bud. And hope that nothing changes. <laughs> so, um, they go up against Kodera Squad next, and they're able to win it again uh, using, uh, you know, some of some special tactics and stuff. And Katori's like, yeah, she's getting into this now. Uh, and they are just kind of like have a little bit of like a post game analysis session where they're like, okay, yeah, we, you know, we, we can use these wires against squads of attackers and stuff. You know, so they're like, even as they're doing this, they're kind of like still coming up with more strategies to get better and better. Kodera squad reacts to it. And they're like, yeah, they got, they really did get better. I guess this kind of like shows how much they've grown because of the info that we gave them yesterday. Kitora has a reaction to this that I cannot really read because she makes this kind of grim grin, I think. Uh, she's she's like head in her hands. She's like, look, Nick, she lost to her fucking crush who she's soon soon for. So she's a little oh. yeah, that she's definitely just like, whatever, who cares? 
Oh man, she's just thinking about that threesome she's going to have with him and Zapdos. So <laughs> that must be an insane line for people who haven't listened to the show for very. I mean, it's an insane line in general. But if you listen to the show, at least you'd be like, "Oh yeah, I get the context for this." Uh, we then it's up against Karuma Squad, and it's three wins in a row for for Sua Squad. Uh, we do see that like Osamu's units are kind of getting taken down kind of quickly but they've managed to overcome it and win uh and uh katori is like hey four eyes you got your guys are better off not smacking the enemy with ray guys <laughs> it's like <laughs> what kind of weird compliment is that <laughs> uh then we cut over to kuruma that squad as they react to this and they're like look something is going on here like what's with these strategies that they're coming up with it feels like we're really getting punished because we're going after the, the Mikamo units too hard because of their double Ragus defense and stuff. Is there some sort of hidden exploit? What What is it? And uh, Koarai says, like, what if maybe we're, we need to figure that out because maybe we're being judged on whether or not we can catch on to the trick to this match. And, oh, it's not Obishima. It's her captain right the glasses guy i can't yeah, yuba his name. yuba uh so he's like shape up Korai. uh and he says look if you don't know anything about their tricks and stuff your job is just to boost your evaluation every other way basically don't go chasing after something that you're not going to catch because it's going to make you lose sight of all the other aspects of our, of our game of our strategy and our plan and stuff uh so there's kind of a like a there's a but you know there's a rah rah session of everyone like okay look, Korai stop being stupid and we'll you know get get back and get your ass back in gear and uh, but he's pretty pumped about this he's like oh okay I hope we can pull off a big win together I don't know why we're focusing on him of all people but anyway, uh, <laughs> well I mean some of these characters are probably going to be significant to some degree in the away mission would we get to that sometime in 2025 sometimes after oh, Avengers Kang Dynasty has come out and they'll finally <laughs> be like it's time to go to space everybody that's honestly that might be too brazen of an expectation to I'm think sorry. that within two Only years. Two years there's another part of this test quid <laughs> i'm such a fool i'm so dumb there's no way we're getting there in that time uh so we cut to the management HQ uh, desk for the last couple pages of this chapter. We get a uh, kind of a breakdown of everyone reacting to like, we kind of thought that there would be a lot more draws by this point. The test as people kind of like all kind of bell curved and started to all kind of plateau at the same area. But instead we're getting like more uh, wins and, and losses as people are kind of like figuring out the exploits and everything. Uh, and basically they just realize, yeah, those teams that had a more outlandish strategy are, are faring well against the people who are just kind of sticking to more standard stuff. Uh, and, uh, they also point out like, okay, the two squads that are doing really, really well are producing results with strategies that aren't asking much of their members. Uh, so th they go over that. They then turn to Commander Keto and say, hey, isn't this about the time that we give them a special assignment? And he says, nah, I, I want them just to focus on the battles today. So no special assignment. All right. So uh, 
and then they say, hey, is there anyone that you've got your eyes on? Or, and uh, he says, we're seeing dramatic turnabouts versus yesterday, especially with Mizukami's squad. And one that we know is struggling today is Ninomiya's squad eight. And the person that we focus on within Ninomiya's squad is Chika, who doesn't look like she's having a good time right now. Well, she's not. Uh, and I don't think we've really focused, like, at all on what Chica's been going through during this whole thing. So oh, she's a little apple on her shirt. I'm sorry. I guess she does. I guess that takes it, a it's, <laughs> it's a legit go. cute. It's actually a really cute shirt. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so it'll be uh, actually kind of nice if we do check in on her uh, a little bit, because we've only seen very tiny snatches of, like, her conversations with uh, Ninomiya and Yuzuru and stuff. So the implication was also just, like, Ninomiya squad is, like, stupid. They're just good. not doing well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I thought they well, were they're, good. they're really under. They're apparently really underachieving yeah. uh, today. I guess is. Yeah, that's what we're hearing now. But to this point, I thought we've kind of just been like, yeah, enemy squad fucking rules, and they're 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 pretty strong. I only I thought the only team they were really losing to was uh, I don't remember his name, but the guy who's controlling all the characters, Mizukami right. or something like that. So right, the idea that they're struggling is like, ooh, I wonder why. What's going on? Yeah. Maybe it's just Chica. Uh, you know what? We got a chapter of World Trigger. Uh, it didn't deal too much with the mechanics of the shooty shoot fake game. So that's true. I did appreciate it. Uh, ten out of ten, hundred percent. Great, greatest chapter of the year. It uh, felt like stuff was actually moving forward. Credit, credit Nick. To. Theoretically, and this is wild, but theoretically, we might be done with this part of the selection exam by the end of the year i'm not <laughs> counting on anything <laughs> we're gonna be done with part one of the selection exam in mid 2024 is my prediction at this point <laughs> like this the, the character the team selection like the little fighty fights uh, yes damn yes quid oh my god <sighs> so buckle your asses up everybody <laughs> Okay, let's talk about Akane Banashi. Story 52, Embodiment. Uh, Master Ken, who was one of the other judges at uh, the junior uh, competition that Akane won, uh, is having a conversation with, uh, with our uh, journalist friend. And uh, so uh, he says... He's, because he starts to like you know, give, do a formal interview. And he's like, hey, look, we, we've known each other for a really long time, so don't bother with the formalities and everything he's much more laid back about this than like arakawa would be um and uh so you know he goes he starts to say like hey you know the the, the arakawa school is ascendant these days like kaisei especially uh he's even approaching uh the wonder child uh, rokuro uh and uh Iken says well yeah he's special uh which is gets a gets a kind of interesting reaction so last time kaisei had uh run into akane on his way in for a performance uh and it was like oh man kaisei's here Can't, when was the last time that he was here and uh a, a much older uh rakugoka in the in the corner starts going <laughs> uh and uh they're like what why are you laughing he's like oh i was just thinking about how much he resembles the show like wait what no he doesn't like oh i mean his eyes 
The look in his eyes is the same one that he show used to have. Master, the eyes you, you, of a wild beast. Master, are you drinking out of a toilet bowl? He's like, I'll do what I want to do. <laughs> I can do. It does look like it does look like a toilet bowl. Next. <laughs> Sometimes you get a good scoop, and you're just like, "Ooh, little treats for me." Won't need to grab food on the way home. Here's how you save the big bucks. Like you live in a cardboard box. Lived in a cardboard box. It rained. <laughs> By the way, do you happen to have any houses in your trash cans right now? <laughs> well, time for me to go on stage. Today's the story of an old prospector who's found gold up in the hills. Gold, I say. Yeah! <laughs> like, if we put them on last, <laughs> no one's stupid show. They're like, sir, it's it's 2023. And we're not in California. <laughs> we, we didn't really have that same kind of gold rush character you're playing. But I said to them, I smell that gold up in their hills and I went with you. Why is he hand voting? <laughs> They're like, his mic's not plugged in, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, ah, uh, yes, the legendary... <laughs> The legendary Rakugoka. Ham Bone <laughs> Jackson. He was master. The crazy prospector style of Rakugo. He's like, Elkakane, let me teach you a lesson. They're like, sir, you're, you're facing the wall. You're not facing the audience. <laughs> I see. But... By telling the story, this classic tale, that as one of oh, <laughs> the same prospect, the, the classic story of them's gold up in their hills. <laughs> the audience can't help but be completely enamored. <laughs> oh, oh. Anyway, he says the Kaisi has the eyes. <laughs> yeah. So this old, this old man who shows up for two panels finishes his thought. <laughs> There's a huge reaction as Kaise takes the stage and people are still flooding in uh, to the audience. And everyone's like, oh my god, he's so crazy popular. All of his performances get so insane. Kaise starts to go into a performance and he starts to say that, okay, there was a, mas a female master of the Shamisen by the name of Toyoshiga, and she was particularly famed for her loathing of men. But one stormy evening, Toyoshiga allowed her apprentice, Shinkichi, to shelter in her home overnight. And uh, they uh, immediately struck up an, an affair. Uh, oh. And Kaisei strikes this very seductive look uh, when she beckons him to bed. And uh, the crowd's like, oh, man, oh, it's truly drawn in. And Akane realized, like, yeah, I mean, this is just what I I heard about him when I performed at the Rakugo Cafe, that his talent is in the art of seduction. Or at least it should be. But there's something else. And so Kaisei continues on with the story, saying Toyoshika was 39. Shinkichi was just 21. So they were basically, you know, he was she was old enough to be his mother, essentially. And, but their lives grew intertwined. They settled down happily together. However, not all was well in Toyoshika's mind. And Toyoshika 
when is Shinkichi talking to another woman, a, a, a younger woman who was another of her apprentices named uh, Ohisa, just 18 years old, so much more, uh, much closer to Shinkichi's age. And Toyoshiga's heart, mind immediately started, you know, she started being paranoid, thinking she's going to steal Shinkichi from me. And just like that, her heart smoldered with jealousy. In the conversation that Iken is having, he says, what makes Kaisei so special? Do you really need me to say it? See, the plan is to develop young talent that will help break the mold of stodgy seniority. But if your lofty ideals don't have any muscle behind them, they'll remain a mere pipe dream. That's why Kaisei was built up specifically to further Mastery Show's goal as an embodiment of his ideals. It only works because he has the talent to back it up, it's why he had such a meteoric rise within the medi- the Rakugo world. Losing's not an option for him. And while he won't admit it, certain rival figures to whom he is compared and rising young talents coming up behind him are nothing but eyesores he can't wait to be rid of. And uh, so, you know, the journalist says, I mean, you never really get that impression just from looking at him. And he can explains, no. Kaisei hides it all behind a very thick mask. And meanwhile, in Kaisei's oh. performance, he starts going over how the horrible Toyoshiga's jealousy is getting to the point that she gets growths bubbling up around her eye. And when she claws at them, the affliction swelled and spread dark, bloody and oozing, and it began to fester. She fell ill and bedridden, and Shinkichi stayed at her side to care for her. And as she is better in Toyoshisa says to Shigichi, if you leave me to be with Okisa, I promise you this. I will haunt you until the day you die. Oh, scary. And Iken says behind that smiling, friendly mask that Kaisei always wears lurks a demon. The public doesn't know about it yet, but the extent of his terror goes much further than anyone realizes. And of course, everyone watching the performance is really freaked out by the way that Kaisei has conveyed all of this disgust and hatred that lurks within him. So this is a cool chapter. Uh, nice build up for Kaisei, I, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a really good, nice, just like visual of just his face when he does the really scary bit. You know, we have that all these visuals of the characters that he's portraying as he's going about it. But then for the big, Oh, really scary moment. You just see his face and his face alone to push home. How intrinsic that deep seated hatred is for him. Yes. Not the characters he plays. Yes, I agree. Very cool chapter. Um, good stuff in it. Uh, he seems like a scary guy. I do wish Hambo Jackson was back. Um, but you know, Maybe we'll get to see him next week. I've only just caught my breath. You gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta hold back on that one. So I know my eyes. Oh. Hurts. Uh, it hurts. So we're gonna no more Hambone Jackson. He's dead. He died up in the Navarros. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And next up, everybody, Hambone Jackson. <laughs> Never mind. He's dead. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Man, why do we make that guy our closer every week? Oh. <laughs> You know, we say that the open mics I used to do, we used to close with Heath the Queef because no one can follow him, partially because he did not leave after five minutes. He just kept going. 
<laughs> but oh boy. Sometimes you just close with the worst person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go home, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fun's over. Uh, eat the green blossom. By the way, I'm not. I'm blue, for... blue, 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 blue box. Blah blue, blah blah dee da boo da da dee da I can't believe it took us 91 chapters to get to that point. <laughs> Minus however many we weren't actually covering it for. Yeah. Chapter 91, the most powerful feeling. Uh, we started oh, the they get a Megazord this chapter. You're never strong what? until you get a Megazord. It's oh, strongest okay. feeling, yeah. Okay. I thought All it was right. pretty self-explanatory, Nick. Do you not feel more powerful? Have you ever felt more powerful <laughs> than you have when you get a Megazord? Te- in a very technical sense, Quinn. No, I have not. There you go. It might not be for the reasons you're anticipating, but... No care. I got the answer I'm looking for. Uh, we started a flashback of Yumika uh, playing as a little kid uh, with with uh, with her parent, who... I don't know where you threw that to, but okay. Uh, who asks her, hey, do you like basketball? And she says, yeah, I love it. And, uh, oh, it is her daddy. He's do you, little girl? Well, let me tell you a little secret about it. I don't know. Well, you see, back in 1906, they told me there was gold up in the hills, and I knew it. I dug it out with my teeth. Now, do you love basketball with your daddy? Oh, absolutely, I do. Do you like basketball, or would you like to blow in this jug? <laughs> Uh, do you like basketball so much that you go across the all across the continent of the United States in an in ox-driven cot? Play over in San Dan Francisco? Because <laughs> that's where them golds is. Do you like basketball so much that you'd spend all your money on bullets, stop in the first forest outside of town, and do nothing but shoot bears? <laughs> You're eating like a king. So you used 400 bullets. And get over the carry bag 100 pounds. Oh, you just need it there in the woods. You don't even need it. That's how you, that's how you trick the system. <laughs> Dysentery, not again. <laughs> All right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh. Oh. The important thing that, that is said to you, Mika, in this conversation with her dad is the feeling of loving something is the most powerful feeling of all. Then you're also the most powerful because you love mommy so much. And dad's like, ha ha, that's right. So it's a good parent. It's a good parent. Good answer. Good answer, dad. Um, but uh, of course, we know the present that they broke up. So that's great. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it's a great line in retrospect. Yeah. So in the present, Shinatsu has just gotten done, you know, freaking pouring her heart out to Yumeka about how important Taiki is to her. Uh, and so, but then, you know, she's done. She said her piece. She turns and starts to walk away. And Yumeka admits to herself in her thoughts, I know that I've just been projecting. I didn't keep playing basketball and I just took it out on you. And we see that, you know, when Yumeka was, you know, in her last year playing basketball with the team, that she was not doing so well 
uh, you know, some people in the crowd were observing like, oh, yeah, they said that she got into the junior high on a recommendation that she was this famous athlete in elementary school. But, man, you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at her. Uh, and you know, just kind of has this realization of like, shit, uh, maybe, you know, I'm just I, I have no stock. I'd be able to cut it anymore uh, because, you know, they said I had all this natural talent. But, you know, older players have more time to practice and get better. And so she's feeling, you know, sorry for herself after the game. But the coach just says, like, I'm sure you'll do better next time. That's just yeah. kind of it. Um, and uh, so. But uh, you, she, she, so she started to go like, yeah, I just got to, you know, practice tons like Natsu does. You know, everyone in here expects me to play really well. So I got to work harder and measure up to that. Uh, until you know, I taste blood in my mouth, until my hands dry, until oh. my heart beats so hard that it ruptures. Okay, maybe not that hard. Calm <laughs> yeah. down. I definitely would stop before the heart rupture. Yeah. That's definitely not good. So, you know, she practiced and she tried and she still got surpassed by people around her. Uh, she, it, she still was falling behind everyone. And then she would get home after practicing so hard and she would come down to her parents arguing behind closed doors. Uh, so then, you know, she like kind of went out running and decided, man, what can you do? Feelings are fickle. And just like you, dad, I feel like my powers run out. So her love for basketball is running out the same way her parents love for each other is running out. Um, so she's like, yeah, um, I'll be fine. You know, I'm just being pulled in by the pains of practice right now. So, you know, I'm going to come back. I'll, I'll get my power back. And she went to, you know, practice. Chinatsu got there earlier than her again. Uh, and she was like, hey, come practice with me. And Yumeka just thought, I can't let her find out. I don't want to drag her down. And I don't want her to feel these negative emotions, too, because Natsu loves basketball. Ah, uh, that's rough. But then we get to see more of the moment that Shinatsu missed her shot in that last game uh, when they played together. She hit the rim on her shot, and then the ball got rebounded to Yumeka, and uh, she thought to herself, like, uh, you know, the confidence you get from all those hours of practice, it becomes your strength but I still don't have as much as she does. And she basically froze up. Uh, you know, she took a bad shot and it um, didn't go well and they lost the game. And she was left with her own regrets, which were like, why didn't I practice more? Why didn't I spend more time on basketball? And she was just overwhelmed by all these negative thoughts. Like, this is it. This is the way that it ends what was the point of all that hard work why i'm so i suck i'm pathetic there's always someone better than you what am i even working towards and also just i'm tired yeah and uh so you know she slept in one day you know just kind of like under the covers her mom came in to tell her that her parents are getting a divorce and she thought said out loud yeah, so the much idea for... that like you would wake your child up to do that yeah <laughs> like come on maybe she was just you know having a time in bed i don't know but uh you know so she was told that and so you just says yeah so much for love being the most powerful feeling 
and then ran off. And also it was just like, look, I just wanted to play basketball like I used to back then. Getting excited over scoring a basket, like how things used to be. I don't want to face the reality that maybe I just don't love it anymore. And when she got to the gym, of course, she saw Chinatsu practicing. And it's that moment where Chinatsu was burying herself in shooting shot after shot after shot because she was so hard on herself for missing it. But that's where the flashback ends. We catch up with Yumeka as she is, you know, struggling with all those feelings that she's been dealing with this entire time. Uh, and she realizes it hurts that while I was stumbling back, Natsu just kept moving forward. And back then, if I had stayed by her side, I wonder if I could have learned to love basketball again. And there's a basketball ticket in front of her face because Taiki's got the ticket to Chinatsu's match and wants her to have it. He won the show match, and all of a sudden, I actually do care that he (laughs) won. It's (laughs) astonishing. Like, this is a phenomenal chapter, by the way. Like, this is exquisite. Like, really, really great writing for Yumika. Uh, Really, really, like, great characterization here building up to her anguish and like just the turmoil that she's been going through and like i was kind of i was pretty hard on taiki like a few chapters ago like button his face into a con like a situation he didn't need to but like this was like a legitimately very charming thing i feel like for him to do uh and yeah like now i'm like i'm glad you got into a pissing contest with that other basketball dude because you actually legit were not trying to get the ticket for yourself you were you were trying to help out our friend i'm like all right this is a sweet thing good good on you taiki yeah i feel like we actually spent the exact right amount on that shuttle run contest while doing this stuff because like it's just enough so that you know the last couple of chapters you remember that it's going on and then more and more it goes to focus on yuika and chinatsu's drama and everything and all the big interesting dramatic stuff and then it lingers long enough on that in a road for you to kind of like let the taiki stuff fade from your mind and then he shows back up again it's like oh what a good boy our hero is and we knew that he was doing that but it came at the right time and it was just perfect pacing it's a very very good chapter excellent chapter. very good series of chapters that we've had from blue box recently <clears throat> nick let's get morgan though morgan time i don't know oh okay it's just you know it's like you have the the morphing sequence but it's just everyone going morg 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 <laughs> oh, that's that's what my uh my cabal does <laughs> we gather around and just chant morg 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 and then morgs the bulb descends <laughs> from his dark plane <laughs> and you know what you know what morgs the bulb said to us nick no gold up in he got to get it. It's waiting for you. I mean, I guess it is a crypto thing. So. <laughs> I don't know why the jug band part gets me. <laughs> oh, there's so many old prospector stereotypes I have. Oh, God. All right. Oh, Cypher Academy, Chapter 14. Oh, God. Encrypt the Rook instead of the useless king. (laughs) 
All right, it's part. It's time for more of the class leading private selection thing. Uh, so, they, our our students have been given a test, which is Fool's Mate Minefield, where they have shogi pieces and a configuration uh, for a, a a puzzle solving thing. I've always been terrible at these kinds of things when it comes to you know like chess uh, puzzles like this. So, I'm a genius um, when it comes to it, but I don't want to. I don't want to make you feel bad, so I won't solve it. All right. All right. <laughs> Uh, this part of the test, however, is specifically to just split people into groups. Uh, so you get to just kind of like choose, uh, what team you're on based on the order that you solve it in. Uh, and then, uh, the victors of groups A to D will then be able to move their pieces on to the third part. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so basically if, uh, if Yoroha loses at this point then he's out. Uh, so he's like, okay, but I'm, I'm not going to lose. Toshisai, of course, solves the puzzle right away, but so does Ensa. Uh, they solve it at like the exact same time, basically. Uh, so they both get to pick their, their pieces, uh, their, their, their teams. Toshisai goes for Team C, and Ensa's like, okay, I could also join Group C and also compete with Toshisai but I think instead I'll join a different group so that it's empty and I boost my chances of being matched up with Iro Iro because I want to just take on a support role for him when it comes time for that. Aww. And it's like, what a, what a good, what a good, nice gesture uh, she's trying to make. Yeah. But her group ended up uh, <laughs> filling up first, so she's like, shit, it backfires. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Iro, it's getting down to like just the last uh, few students, and Iro is still hasn't finished. And so he's like, "All right, uh, I've, I've got to do this." And so he's like, "Ice cold reading, but without glasses." So I just kind of put my fingers over my eyes. So I guess this means the goggles do nothing because he does, in fact, ice cold read the puzzle. <laughs> uh, and be, and he realizes, oh, okay, this is not a shogi board; it's actually a chess board. So these are chess pieces. They don't move like shogi pieces. So I have to treat this like a game of chess, not like a game of shogi. So uh, you have to lead your opponent into a checkmate with their own pieces in order to cause this. Uh, and he realizes, okay, uh, so the mine must be at square E6. And so he finishes and is literally the second to last person in the class. The only other one being name redacted. That is their name. Uh, and also, we don't see their eyes. This has been a consistent thing whenever this character has shown up in uh, like group shots and stuff. They have, you know, like the, the anonymity bar over their eyes. Uh, so, Iroh is like, okay, I can't join up with uh, Inchan, but if I look at it from a different perspective, there are those three remaining spots that would allow me to choose my opponents. And we get these really cool group <laughs> shots it's very dynamic <laughs> really a lot of jojo posing and uh, and also like uh to a degree their their bodies match uh the the shape of the letter of the team that they're on so it's like neat and so you know groups a and c both have a lot of characters that we have met before Toshusai and uh, uh, Obero and Nohime and Tayu are all on Group C. So from what we know about the group so far, uh, that's a pretty stacked lineup. Uh, but Hiro is like, I'm going to join Group D instead, instead of those the teams that actually have people that like are familiar to the Ions instead. So uh, the you know he goes over to join his group, 
and they say, oh, they're kind of scary, aren't aren't they? Uh, and so they're like, but he says, rumor has that the third part of the class leading private selection is going to be a vote. So I figured it would be best if I had the four of you just kind of get to know me since we're basically strangers. And then that might give me the best chance that you'll vote for me. It's like, that's actually kind of, that's actually really clever shit. Look at that. <laughs> Look at that. Using the brain. But, uh, the you know, Nohime quietly, you know, thinks to herself, like, I mean, he's also basically saying that he knows that he's going to beat the four of you uh, because this is, you know, a group battle between the five of them. So they're also like, yeah, you've got a talent for making enemies, don't you, Iroha? Uh, so, yeah, Iroha uh, has got, gotten into group and it's like, all right, time for the real battle of murder mystery, murder at Cypher Academy, super ultra mega d- definite difficulty level. Uh, and so they're divide up and they're given character cards that have been passed out. Except they can't take their own, even if you see your own card at the tables, you can't pick it up. So instead they have to, Iroha Andal is like, okay, so I've got to act like one of my classmates and everyone in group D needs to choose one of the five cards and act like someone that I know. So if this is a murder mystery, it means that one of us is going to be the spy who killed our fictional classmate. I wonder if it's going to turn out that this isn't actually a fictional event and there's actually someone who got killed. Oh. Uh, so he's like, all right. So he picks up Obero's character card and is going to act as her. And he look, turns it over and there's a ton of information on it. Like there's public information, private information, not yet public information, and crafty information. And a lot of it seems to just deal with game mechanics, but given the way that this series works, I would not be surprised if it turns out later that this is like actual knowledge information about Obero that maybe even she doesn't realize that the school slash Kagoe is aware of. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff in there about like, about, you know, really shady stuff. Yeah. Um, we are told in narration that the murder mystery is, of course, nothing more than a game because no real murder was committed at Cypher Academy. I don't buy it yet. Uh, <laughs> Toshisai has ended up with Iroha's card, or rather she picked it out of the cards that were available to her, and that was one of them. Uh, and she says, I can't say this too loudly, but since this game was designed, or rather the narrator says this, so maybe she doesn't say it. Can't say this too loudly, but since this game was designed by Class 1M's Kogoe Horagatoge, it naturally contains false information mixed in with truths. And Iroha, in this game, is the killer. Ooh. Very interesting. Lots of interesting stuff going on. It's got me excited, Nick. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty jazzed. Good stuff. Fun stuff. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see how this clue-esque game works and because yeah. uh, because and hey if you do a good murder mystery situation then then i'm all for it so absolutely now we do have to guys make... it's not a code it's a murder mystery it's different yeah it's very different uh nick we gotta talk about king and luna everyone's favorite series um i'm sure it's a few people's favorites here yeah yeah chapter 24 resurrection uh, in case you all forgot, the powerful magician Magaraka swallowed up the kingdom of Verokia. His flesh was sealed away by the magicians of the time, but his spirit lived on in thought. In every era since, some have chosen to devote themselves to this magician of legend. Okay, everyone caught up? Okay, good. 
Good. All right. So it turns out that all that thing that 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 not Nosferatu. That's his name. That Nosferatu was saying about you know like needing pleasure and and and, and happiness by experiencing despair. Well, really, he was just a fanatic of Magaraka. That's all. That's what he was actually trying to do. That was the plan from the start. Everyone. He was always going to be the guy that was trying to bring forth Magaraka. So he's got a talisman he's got to unleash. And Ginka throws a spear at it and just shatters it. And he's like, what the fuck? Why did you do that? Come here, Magaraka. Come on, Magaraka. Please. Oh. Oh. Uh, his power starts to fade from people, like musical notes constricting their bodies and training them start to fade. But... Ginka turns to Luna and says, you need to get the survivors as far away from here as possible. Uh, Nosferatu continues to call for Magaraka, and Magaraka's hands come up from inside of his mouth, and he pulls himself out of Nosferatu's body. Through the mouth, entirely. Yay! Yeah, I feel like I've seen Shigaraki do this too. It's it's you know it's 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 old hat. I guess I'm saying crawling out of somebody's mouth. Come on, get a new bit. It's uh, I feel I do feel like I've seen this somewhat recently, and uh, I I mean like we saw more terrifying body horror while we were covering you know Full Metal Alchemist uh, recently. So maybe bad timing to read this particular chapter. Uh-huh. Uh, so we cut away from there as Ginka immediately tries to attack the emerged Magaraka, where the guildmaster is, is, is talking with Anemone and, oh, mm, I can, I can remember her name. Hang on. Beretta. There you go. Teamwork. So she, she's talking to the girlfriends and, uh, she says like, well, so you want to know why Magaraka swallowed the Verokian Empire. Well, I'm glad that you asked me that at this particular time. What Magaraka was trying to do was absorb Verokia's moon of magical energy. The moon was a massive power source that supplied magic energy to all of Verokia, and he wanted it. And he rebelled against Verokia. And in the battle against him, a lone magician lasted ten entire days and cost... 90% of Verokian lives and to protect the moon, the Verokian royal family released it from its orbit. So, okay, the moon's gone as a result of that. And so, they, yeah. Anemone and Beretta say, well, wh- why was like he doing that? four others, if I recall. There's a lot. And uh, so, Anemone and Beretta are like, okay, but why do you want all that power for? Uh, and uh, the guild master says, Magaraka's goal was a simple one. To continue existing within this world. And uh, meanwhile, in the fight, Ginka has bashed off Makaraka's head. It goes flying, uh, and uh, it goes and hits the ground. And then Makaraka, still, of course, alive, says, Ah, dirt! It smells delicious! And then his body comes over and picks up his head, and he throws it into the air, and he says, Oh, the stars are so beautiful! And it was like, what the fuck? What is happening? What is going on right now? Makaraka's head lands, he puts it back on his body, and he says, it's so good to be alive! And uh, it's like, all right, I'm going to keep my distance from this guy. He seems dangerous. Uh, and uh, Magraka turns and is immediately behind her to talk to Ginka, who was standing behind uh, her. 
And then it's like, holy shit, even I couldn't see him. He moved so fast. Uh, and Ginka says, the world's not your playground, Magraka. So can you just die? And Magraka says, are you still trying to defeat me? It seems that way. I intend to see the deaths of the stars and the end of the universe with my own eyes. And before that, there are so many other things I want to do. I don't even know what the moon tastes like yet. What? <laughs> Say that again, my guy. <laughs> what? Uh, also, uh, he collapsed the building around them. Yep. Uh, I, I guess it's kind of hard to. Nothing really happened. It just happened. Yeah. Like it's, it's, the building collapsed off screen. Uh, and he also says, like, also oh, I got your body, Ginka. This is your body. This is. This is. The series is going to last another five months, right? Right? <laughs> Don't worry, Nick. Nothing ends next week. So yeah. I'm sure it's fine for the long foreseeable future. Yep. Uh, he also says that he needs to find to have uh, a new body, I guess. Uh, and so he looks at Luna and it's like, oh, this one seems okay. It's got potential. And uh, Ginka gets up and lots of toothy mouths come emerge all over his snowman body. Uh, a and little they too many. Feels like he's compensating. Yeah. There's a there's one in his knee, uh, and they all use dark magic to issue you know one word commands like die, turn inside out, and stuff. And uh, Magaraka's body or Ginka's body really uh, just starts to have like blood spurt out of it and flesh peel away and everything. And as he gets knocked backward and Ginka says, don't lay a finger on my apprentice. And that's where we end the chapter. Yeah, don't you lay a finger on my Butterfinger, bitch. That's right. That's my, but I want to taste a Butterfinger. I have never even tasted Butterfingers before. <laughs> you don't want to. They just get stuck in your teeth. An awful oh, thing. what a great feeling that would be. Awful. Then I would have to floss, which I have also never done. Gunk. <laughs> what an awful candy the Butterfinger is. Truly abhorrent uh, all the way through. Uh, Nick, let's talk about... Those are Quinn's thoughts on Ginky and Luna. Butterfinger, awful. Okay. Butterfinger's an awful can uh, candy. Uh, so let's move on to Magical Magic and Muscles. <laughs> Chapter 146, Domina Blow Alive? I didn't remember that's his full name. And the Ideal Redemption. Uh, so as we mentioned, it's a very serious chapter of Mashal. As last time, Domina showed up and the rest of the, the team basically gathered up Mashes, still alive, but not doing so hot body on the account of missing a heart, uh, and are trying to escape while Domina holds off Innocent Zero. Uh, Innocent Zero is just like, I thought you died in the dark magma. <laughs> And, in the dark magma and uh domina is like i thought but one of the divine visionaries rescued me we could see it was called okahenna and my current heart like the one you gave my brothers was created by melia duel's magic so it is only good for a year and he's like all right you're gonna side with mash burn dead looks like you still lack a will of your own also as i'm sure you're aware you cannot defeat me. This is big, you know, uh, dramatic panel, basically. And he's like, I guess as a parent, I must discipline you. I shall teach you and Mash to never defy me again. He casts a spell, calls it Darkness Basket. Uh, it is terrifying. It's basically like a series of like long tendril fingers with a lot of rings hovering over like a little basket. And it just unleashes this cloud of darkness uh nick's doing a very fancy full finger thing in case you are not watching the podcast uh so just know that uh 
The darkness does not envelop Domino, though. Instead, it goes straight past him and instead surrounds the escaping characters. And they gasp. Dot tries to like just be like, "Ah, let's just go through it," and it burns him very severely. Sort of like shit, and it's coming towards us. Like we can't. We're gonna have to turn back, basically. And Don or uh, Innocent Zero is like, "Yes, they shall present, uh, pr- uh, progress no further. You will fail." Domino starts attacking. He does a uh, Waters Narwhal. Narwhals! Yeah, Nick's favorite animal, I think. Narwhals, narwhals, living in the ocean. So. Oh, that's a good song. Um, it doesn't seem to do much though. It just kind of splashes harmlessly, like a snake comes out of the 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 uh, little pot and just crushes it and then smashes Domino for a little extra benefit and they're like yeah you cannot attack the basket while I stand directly here you gave them time and for what you were born a tool and not a very useful one at that this pitiful end suits you and Domino just continues to attack with this narwhal's attack that just does not get anywhere he gets impaled by a whole bunch of clock hands uh just does another one of his attacks uh but this time, it comes from behind Innocent Zero. And he's like, oh, he's used those previous attacks to splash water behind me so we could destroy the basket without drawing my attention. But I just need to kill Domino, and then it won't work. So he makes a big clock hand and just slashes, just crashes straight into Domino, sends him fucking flying, drops his wand, everything like that. And he's just like, you never stood a chance. You should have foreseen this, but now they're going to die like a fool. And there's a pretty huge gaping uh, cut in magma that is just bleeding profusely. And he thinks back to what MASH told him about our blood relations and unquestioned obedience aren't what make a family. And he's apologizing to MASH in this moment. He's like, I was awful to you and you were so nice to me. And I don't want to be forgiven while still wearing the same face of the person that i was and he is crawling forward until he can finally grab the wand and he says i want to be able to look you in the eye and he casts his spell narwhal shoot out from behind impale the 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 basket shatter it uh domino or i'm uh, not domino sorry innocent zeros like he's lost a chunk of himself and still has magic of this caliber uh, and the attack was successful. The, uh, the dark magic fades away. The group carry mash are like, it's gone. We can keep going. Let's go. And the chapter ends with Domina saying, maybe now I can call myself your friend with pride. Can I, Mash burned in? We end the chapter with a shot of, we can see just how far Domina had to crawl. Just yeah. draining blood at that point to reach his wand. And it's it's a sweet little moment. Austin, yeah, I'm I mean, sorry. Last, like, two chapters ago, like, Bash was, like, smashing Innocent Zero with, like, a pillar and some shit. Uh, it's, it's, much. it's funny sometimes, I swear. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I will, I just have to say, uh, Water Narwhals uh, brings me some very nice nostalgic memories of when my friend group, uh, who weren't really big into Naruto, but had, like, I guess watched the first naruto movie together and there's a bit in it where uh, kakashi gets into a fight with a guy who summons an ice narwhal and then uses his copy jutsu to summon his own ice ice narwhal and the ice narwhals wrestle each other uh and they just thought it was the funniest thing 
uh, and they would talk they would talk about it all the time. It's just like oh, ice narwhals wrestling each other. So seeing a water narwhal uh, brought back some uh, very very nice memories of that. Oh, that's so. Awesome. Good chapter. Also, also, I guess Domina did a cool thing. Yeah. So, all right. So, <laughs> you're like ten out of ten. More Norworlds. The Elusive Samurai, chapter one hundred, differing needs, thirteen thirty-five. So, uh, the great uh, swordsmith Muramasa has just sold Ayako and Kojiro to try and kill each other, and they're like, "Why?" And he says, "Well, friends often betray each other, so just pretend that that happens." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they and Ayaka says we would never betray each other, and he says, "All right, just imagine it. I'm not going to make either of you a weapon. Imagine you stand between your lord and a traitor who threatens his life." Uh, and Tokyuki, you know, tries to intervene in this, but Muramasa just kind of pushes them forward into it. And it's like, look, just I'll stop you when I'm satisfied. So Kojiro uh, squares off with his katana against uh, Ayako and her naginata, and each of them are kind of just. And trying to imagine the other as this, you know, horrible menace. Uh, they charge towards each other, and before their blades could even clash, he stops them. He's like, all right, I got it. The girl needs one of my weapons. And she starts to say, I mean, we, we haven't fought yet, though. And Muramasa says, well, I can tell from your stance and look on your face that you're ready to die. You care only about protecting your lord. A warrior who places herself and her equipment second fights rough and damages her weapon, and that Naginata is going to break soon. An elegant and slender blade does not become you. I'll make you a weapon. Come to my workshop. Pretty good. Just, I just like that moment. I was like, look, I can tell what you're about. You need a different weapon because that's not going to cut it for you. Good stuff. Yeah. So... Uh, and he tells this neat story as well, of like, hey, you know, I, I once created this amazing katana. It was a sword that was a meter and a half long. I thought its bearer would be invincible, and I gave it to a friend. But he was an ugly drunk. He got into a fight at a banquet, and he couldn't draw the long blade in its confines. He didn't need a long sword. He needed a short blade for indoor fighting. Uh, and so he says all this while he's crafting the weapon, hammering it out, you know, you know, like three minutes, presumably, you know, this is just for, for shown in logic. But he says, look, there's no single blade that can make every person invincible based on physique, personality, lifestyle. People come in all shapes and sizes. And for a long time, I've studied people more than blades. And she has fashioned a war club of some kind. He refers to it as Yomono Keramono, the four cornered beast. So it's like a rectangular club, but each of the edges is a sharp edge. Uh, and so it's got four cutting edges on a massive base. <laughs> if I was Kojiro, I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, yeah, motherfucker, you definitely could have made more than one weapon if you didn't fucking use all your one goddamn weapon. <laughs> if you didn't use all your goddamn metal making that one. That's why they call me One Weapon Muramasa. You just made the leg blade for that girl. One weapon. Also, that's a prototype. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> like, then why she, did you make it? She can't join your group right now. <laughs> she has to stay here. I know you're torn. I don't even know her name. <laughs> She's your love interest now. What? <laughs> this is a lot to take in. <laughs> I both don't have a weapon and also have a girlfriend, but she's not joining us. Yes. Now you've got it, kid. Good on, good on you. 
So. I'm also a child. She's an adult. Eh, tomato, tomato. <laughs> Look, I've studied people for a long time, and you guys are within 20 years of each other. It'll be fine. So <laughs> He's like, I just stared at you and used my super sense to be like, chemistry's off the charts. Be like, we haven't talked to each other. Like what? You're like, what, 50? She's like 70,000? It'll be fine. Yeah, it all works out. Look, I only know I only know how I only know people based off of what blades would be good for them. Okay, so uh, Kojiro like blade and nothing. You two are designed to be together. <laughs> Cause nothing. <laughs> Kojiro does actually in the chapter object to like, hey, why don't I get anything? Um, but after Ayaka gets to you know like play around a bit with uh, her new weapon. And uh, he says, no blade can change your fate. Your stance suggests unwavering loyalty such that you would even kill a friend. So you die when your lord dies. And he actually whispers this in Kojiro's ear like a creep. Um, but he also uh, says, like, look, I'm, I don't have any enough steel to make any more weapons, so make do with these swords that I, that were made by my apprentices, because they're better than your blades that have been through a lot of battle and are dull. Uh, he gives to uh, Fubuki uh, swords with fatter hilts for a better grip, uh, uh, since he, you know, fights two-handed. And Fubuki's like, how'd you know I fight two-handed? Mm. He's just good like that. Uh and so Kotaro is, you know, blown away by like how fucking good this guy is at making weapons and stuff. And then Tokyuki kind of steps forward to Muramasa, like, "Hey, what about it? No, no sword for you. Like liter- literal, like you know, soup Nazi uh, style. No sword for you." Tokyuki's like, "But I have to." And Muramasa, just to be extra, whips around and looks like he cuts off Tokyuki's head with one of the swords, but it's a hook-shaped sword, so his head, his neck is totally unharmed. It's fine. I hate this character so much. Just to be extra. <laughs> um, and so Muramasa says, the moment I saw you survive, I understood your essence. Your nature compels you to seek what makes you and others feel alive. You are a monster of life who has yet to free his full strength. Uh, and uh, Shizuku remembers uh, Yorishige saying something similar. Uh, and yeah, Mormas is like, someday the monster inside of Tokyuki is going to be truly free. Your destiny is too great. Even one of my blades cannot bear it. I haven't thought of a special sword for Tokyuki's Shonen power up yet, so he doesn't get one yet. Just uh, run a lot or something. Yeah, I saw it in uh, the stars. Just go with it. Uh, however, he also says Yorishige has a blade that can bear the fate of the Hojo. Hmm. Does he mean a literal blade? Hmm. Uh, yeah. So they get outside and they're gonna go. And uh, yep. Um, the girl with no fingers uh, can't fight with it right away because it's like, this is just a prototype and uh, you probably get yourself killed. So you can't jo- join the battle. Uh, Tokyuki's like, hey, look, it's important that you survive. So just join me when it's ready and when you're ready to join us. And uh, Kojiro says, hey, there'll be fighting even after we've defeated the Takauji. Tika- 
And there is a neat moment where we actually get to see how uh, Sheena's new prosthetic fingers work, because obviously she can't move them herself. So she kind of has to, like, clamp them with her palms down into the gesture she wants to make. Uh So she does that so that she's holding one finger up. She holds a finger up close to to Kojiro and says, "Uh, I may be older, but I'm a newcomer, so don't call me Miss. Call me Sheena. And Kojiro's like, uh, okay. I don't know what's going on here. What has been happening this entire time we've been here? It's such a so, yeah. weird scene. They're of interest now, I guess. It's so weird. They're really like shipping these characters together. I'm like, how old is she supposed to be? She's an experienced warrior, so she's got to be at least a bit older than them kids. Uh, she's got to be at least 20, I would guess. Because hey, they're like 13 to 15. Yeah, it's, so, I mean, it's it's not good in general, but this is a, a bizarre moment in this series in general. But it's, it's you know, one of, what are we going to The do? topic of romance in this series has in general been not great when considering all the implications of uh, uh, that have been brought up so you know what i was excited about and what what was truly special and about romance in this chapter is the way uh i forget her name but she's looking at her big new uh club thing she really uh ayako she really is enamored with it in that last panel so i do like the way she looks at it her weapon is pretty cool I'm glad that she got it. That that's nice. Muramasa makes some observations to himself that are, you know, ominous and and everything. While he watches Tokyo get his friends leave, that's our chapter. No leg, no cool leg blade, girl. No, you don't get it. You don't. You, you don't get it now. <laughs> that was like, I guess it's because she's supposed to show up later, but it is such a weird thing to be like. This is going to be important character. She's joined the team. Actually, she's not. But don't worry. Down the line, she will. And I'm I'm like, let me tell you exactly how this is going to go. She is going to show up. And I'm going to say, Nick, who is this girl? Oh <laughs> and you're going to explain. You're like, remember, she had a leg blade that they got taken away. And I'm going to be no, like, no. no, I don't. <laughs> that won't even be what I say. I'll say, remember, she for some reason, started hitting on Kojiro. <laughs> I'll remember that even less. I've already started pushing it out of my mind entirely. Um, uh, what a weird chapter. <laughs> what an extremely weird chapter. Nick, let's wrap this up with Black Clover page. 353 Banquet in full swing. I have mixed feelings about this chapter. <laughs> well, Nick, your your feelings at the start had to be all good because Lord Hadouken uh, has <laughs> saved everyone. The sky is clear. Everybody is doing good. Uh, Asta notes, he's like, hey, this is that dude I fought from the village of Saucy. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Saucy, Nick. It's there. That's the town's name. Probably Saucy. But he died then. Remember? He died? Yeah. You guys remember, right? You remember this character who died, right? <laughs> he's real dead. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lord Hadouken's basically just like, yeah, dude, like, he can revive people. So, like, it's a rough time. Like, you're going to have to get onto a level of Grand Magic Knights. Um, but your friends are coming to save you. They're coming in three days. You just got to wait until then, basically. And Asta's like, all right, then I'll do it. And he's like, cool. But now we're going to have a party. Whoa. And everyone starts to have a party. Um, 
I don't remember this character's name, but he's he's cutting up the dragon to make food out of it. Uh, they know yes. Sister Lily is alive. She is asleep. She is as fine as she can be. Asta, just enjoy yourself, basically. Uh, we get a montage of a bunch of characters doing things. Uh, we particularly get a moment where Chica walks, walk, uh, goes up to Asta, is like, I apologize for speaking badly about your benefactor. Uh, but Asta's drunk at this point. And he's just like, yep. so good. Real big of you to admit. And she punches him or still she does something. She physically assaults him because he's down on the ground at that point. She's like, don't you talk down to me, kid. Um, all the characters get like that's. I think he might just wave at her after. Oh, okay. Well, maybe not. Maybe I just assume because his hand is the only thing in frame that he would just get knocked to grab. But he's also drunk. So maybe he fell over. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, We get a montage of like every character kind of doing something. Uh, fashion girl and pervert monk are just like we're eating charmy's food apparently it was like a thing charmy went here in the past and brought a bunch of food so she's like a god there apparently uh, a really long time ago too so it's that just that dwarf thing going for her, i guess oh, yeah. yeah dwarf whatever it was um jinzo dude is just like i suck <laughs> i don't dude. remember his name uh, yo, sugar, sugar, do, 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 you are my gal. Uh, he's like, hey, do you have like a hot chick over there that I could fuck? And ask is like Marilyn Leona. So I guess those two characters are shipped now. That's all we well, need to do. He specifically asks, are there any hot girls who are really tough over there? And that's like, and, I guess Mary Leona's strong. So. And specifically, one with flame With juice, flame yeah. yo juice. Yeah, so. Which I don't know why that's a thing. I Is don't know why. He's metal? I don't know. I don't know why he specifically wants someone with flame yo juice. Perhaps that will be explained. Um,. Anyway, Asta is encouraged by the monk guy to be like, hey, go to the, the hot spring. That'll that'll be a good time. And he's It'll like, be manly bonding time. Ha! He's like, oops, I forgot my towel going without me. So Asta's like, cool beans, jumps into the water. He's like, this is great. But then who should you see, Nick? But a chica naked. Whoa! Ooh. This is wild. He's immediately terrified because he's like, oh, God, she's going to destroy me. But instead, she's very nervous and like runs away. And Asta also runs away. So, well, she doesn't run away. She just is very nervous and blushing. <laughs> and then Asta runs away, screaming, eek, I'm so sorry. Uh, and the joke at the end's like, oh, I'm silly. It was reserved for the women now. Uh, he's a pervert. He probably knew it. And he's just a weirdo. The next day, Asta is walking dramatically along a bridge. And he sees a chica and he's like, oh, hey, good morning. I'm really sorry about last night. And she's like, you are going to take responsibility for that, you fool. And then, hey, Nick, who should show up? But the rest of the reusing seven, they're like, you're going to train with us, right? Dun, dun, dun. Three days until judgment day, Nick. Three days of training left. I have mixed feelings about this chapter. Because you loved uh, it so much. Well, I do like certain parts of it, especially towards the beginning. I do like that it's as simple as Ichika recognizing, like, I was wrong about what happened. She goes up to Asta and is like, look, I'm sorry that, you know, I I spoke badly about someone who means something to you. And does it in a way that, like, is, look, I know 
this is what Yami is to you. She doesn't mention the fact that, like, oh, he's my brother that I thought, you know, betrayed me and everything like that. She apologizes in the very, like, proper way. So she's still very reserved and, like, clearly not connecting with him super personally yet. Um, but so, but it's still, like, a nice step forward. And it's like, yeah, you know, their their dynamic could not be the exact same as it was prior to this point because a lot of it was built over her misunderstanding what happened in the past and butting heads with Asta over their differing views of Yami. So that had to change. Uh-huh. I think it takes get, taking a step too far to seemingly hint that she is going to be another Asta love interest uh, with this whole, oh, he sees her naked and she gets embarrassed and then tells Asta he's going to take responsibility for it later, which has, you know, certain implications. Uh, so I don't know. Look, I don't have a problem with it, the idea specifically of Ichika being a potential ass to love interest, although it's weird to introduce that at this point in the story, but whatever. Uh, provided that that's not just all that she becomes from this point. Because, you know, there's a lot that I think that, you know, could be done with Ichika as a character that was really kind of hinted towards already in the short time that we've known her. Mm-hmm. So to kind of just like jam her into that role and just have, it feels like oh, I'm worried that that's literally all that's going to happen uh, with her. And that's, I think a fair concern um, that she is one of the more interesting characters. She's the most interesting character in this group of new characters. So you don't want her to be relegated. You've bothered to learn her name. <laughs> I, I haven't given her a goofy one yet. She's just a chica. I gave Ryu a longer name. It takes longer to say Hadouken than it does. And I pronounce it wrong constantly. So, <laughs> uh, But, you know, it's it's all about that. I forgot the much funnier name I gave him the week before that. Someone had to remind me. And it'll probably just be Ninja being like, Hadouken was. And I was like, no, I called him like Lord Ossie or something like that. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, I agree. I, I, I hope they don't tear her character down too much and reduce her to anything because if 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 we're going to include these characters in this big fight she's the only person i'm interested in seeing what she does pretty much yeah yeah uh i mean sugar sugar is had at least a little bit of something you going gotta for do him, the whole thing but lord, i don't know the lord, song lord sugar sugar do 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 okay all right so yeah or sugar sugar do 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 uh is uh the only one that I feel like we have like anything beyond like a character archetype to go off of, as in you know, fashionable girl, bloodthirsty girl who turns tepid when it's not in you know sword fighty time, pervy monk, guy with mask, guy with hat. Uh, so yeah, you can't forget bard guy, guy who just casts spells to power up everyone's attacks in a, a all round generic fashion. Uh, but out of all of them, Ichika is the only one that feels like a full actual character, and so it would suck if we lost that in favor of like, well, there's another girl that you know she's she's gonna be also the Sundere character because I thought that was Noel's dynamic with Asta, but never mind. So, uh, but yeah, I maybe just be jumping ahead uh, myself and be like, oh, this is gonna suck. Uh, so I will try and you know retain judgment, especially because. Things in Black Clover in this arc so far have definitely exceeded my expectations for this arc as a whole. So, yeah. 
All right. All right. Good stuff. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. No one piece this week. So Black Clover is what we're ending on. Quinn, tell me, what was your uh, what was your favorite chapter this week? My favorite chapter was definitely Blue Box. I think that was a chapter that really stood out as like a complete and whole, like really fascinating story. A hundred percent. It was just a really good chapter. Very dramatic, very gripping. Uh, and I really do want to see if you make a Natsu can be friends again. I do. Now I'm like I'm really invested in it friends, now. Yeah. yeah. Not even necessarily like, oh, she enjoys the basketball team because I just want them to. Oh, I want her to join the basketball that. team as well. Like, I want, I want. It'll like, be great. Oh, yeah, I want, but... I want them to start gathering fucking players like they're fucking infinity stones. <laughs> <laughs> um, character of the week. I think I'm going to just also give it to Yumika. I think it was like a really good exploration of her character, and I think that's what I'm going to really kind of carry with me going forward. Uh, I'm going to put mine on Kaisei. Uh, I, I just really like that moment of like, no, no, you don't understand. This guy's got some stuff that he's, that he needs to work through, but instead he's utilizing it for the sake of being a really good rock, rock go artist. And maybe that's not healthy. Uh, that last panel of him where he's delivering the line, I think is very, very creepy, even though it's just, you know, a guy trying to act creepy. Uh, so I, I thought this was a very effective chapter to continue to build him up as the big hurdle that Akane is going to have to overcome in the future. I agree. Uh, the audience, by the way, agreed with you 100%. Nick, Blue Box, and Kaisei that, for character. That never happens. Yeah. That never happens. I've done something wrong this week. No, I, Nick, <laughs> you're the voice of the people this week. No, they, no. They clamor to you. Quinn, I'm supposed to be the contradictory dickwad. <laughs> Can't have people agreeing with me like this. You're like, it ruins my street cred. Yeah. Right? I've got that. Yeah, that's the thing. I think that's an interesting thing. Because I, you're definitely the smart one of the podcast. Who's the cool one on the podcast? Neither of us, right? <laughs> like, we're both just gigantic losers, right? It's, this is just, you know, the puzzle with no solution. <laughs> Which one of us, like, this is the excursion. You drop the two of us in, like, the middle of New York City. Which one keeps our wallet for the longest? Like, which one has the street <laughs> smarts to not, to, like, survive the longest in New York? I don't know. God. Oh, that, yeah. So, if you ever want to find out about that, please don't try to. Uh <laughs> Uh, guys, this has been Weekly Manga Recap. Thank you all for joining us. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash T Wednesday evenings starting at around 7.30 Eastern Time. You can also check out our Discord server to find out when exactly the show is going live as a notification will go out, assuming that uh, Quinn is allowed to send it out. We got we had a little bit of a, of a, of a hang up on that, where it's like, are you sure you want to tell people about this? Yes, we want people to know when we're streaming. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Discord. Uh, we Our show uh, is recorded whenever we do this, and it is uploaded on in audio format on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com, in video format on youtube.com slash weeklymangarecap. You can also listen to the podcast uh, in a few different places where podcasts can be listened to, like uh, Spotify, you know, presuming that they don't turn into whatever weird, terrible thing that they were advertising recently. Uh, and uh, on... Uh, iTunes. 
We uh, also had on the video version, we would like to thank people who helped make what it is. The opening sequence is done by Mallet Jack Stillitz and Winsley Dow Cheddar. And uh, title cards are occasionally done by Steve Mann. Where, wherever boobs are allowed to be drawn on the internet, by the way, you can find Steve Mann's art under Steve Mann Art. Uh, we also want to thank NinjaX3i for helping us to keep track of statistics that we would definitely never remember, considering the trouble we have with names, character names that we read every week. Uh, so who maintains the Google Doc, uh, which can also be found via the Discord server. Uh, by the way, in addition to all that stuff, if you want to make like a recommendation for a future series for us to read, you can do it on there. You can also take part in the regular polls that determine like audience poll stuff for like best moments from the show, from the series that we read, etc. And uh, be sure to just, you know, hang out with our Discord group if that's if it sounds like you might want to, you know, talk about the manga that we talk about. With the people, with the other people who uh, listen to this podcast. Yes, absolutely. I think that's everything. So, all guys, right. Thank you for joining us. Well, Ugh. we did it, Nick. We got to the end of the episode. Yep, we we have made it here. Uh, all that remains is to uh, keep on digging until we strike gold. Because uh, there's gold up in them there hills, there, Nick. I was going to try and play it off, you know, really, like, you know, quiet and subtle, like, kind of subvert expectations. That's not what Hambone Jackson does! <laughs> he shouts out to this gold up in them hills! It's a warning! If you go to them hills, I'll kill you! <laughs> wait, this looks... <laughs> wait, wait, it's like the... It's, is the jug band thing like his warning cry to people? <laughs> That's like a rattlesnake warning. You've gotten too close. I'm actually a ghost. I haunt them, their hills. <laughs> well, Nick, we made a bit too much noise, and now Professor Peanuts has woken up, so the episode right. officially That's has the end to of the end. Episode. It's over. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.